The opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Topeka Capital Journal, CJ Online, or Morris Communications. Well, good morning, Topeka. This hour is brought to you in part by the Golden Corral. And, folks, they now have their holiday fare on their menu, 16th and Wanamaker. If you are an aficionado of ham, oh, boy, you'll love it. Fry turkey, they've got that. Dressing cranberry sauce, the whole nine yards. Their holiday fare is on the buffet line now at the Golden Corral, 16th and Wanamaker right in front of the beautiful Westridge Mall and your votes and the most recent Best of Topeka contest. Yep, the Golden Corral once again is right up there amongst the leaders on the best buffet you'll find anywhere in northeast Kansas. Check it out. Great sponsors of the Jim Cage Show as well. Hey, we've got a great lineup uh, today. Boy, I'll tell you. Coming in at 9 o'clock, John Arnold's going to be in as he is each and every Friday. And along with John, Earl Glenn is coming back this week. Normally I have Earl on the show once every three weeks to talk about uh, the major stories of the week that are breaking. Well, we're making an exception. This will be the second week in a row that Earl Glenn's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about voter fraud. Earl's done a lot of work on this story for KansasWatchdog.org, which, folks, if you haven't plugged in this uh, website as one of your favorites, you need to do so. But we're going to be talking about that. That's going to be one of the top stories of the week. And a legislator that uh, represents my legislative district, a district that I represented for four years when I was in the House. She's coming on the show at 8.30 this morning. Lana Gordon's going to be joining us. And she's got, uh, I don't know how tough of a race, but I'll tell you, her opponent, uh, he's been an aggressive little rascal over the past uh, 90 days, believe you me. So we're going to be talking about some of the major issues for Lana Gordon. And I'm going to get into this payday loan issue to me, folks, this is a slime ball, sleazy industry if there ever was one. And this AG's race, this payday loan, uh, I don't know if this could possibly have an impact on this attorney general's race. And, you know, I like Derek Smith. I've got a lot of respect for Derek Smith. He's wrong as wrong can be on this payday loan industry support. But by the same token, even though Steve Six, his commercials, are really starting to resonate with the public on Derek Smith's support of the payday loan industry. But the thing that Steve Six is omitting from his commercials, he's actually received more money out of this industry than Derek Smith. So we'll be talking about that. It's all coming up on the show. But joining me for the next 25 minutes or so by phone, good morning, Mary Kay Culp. Good morning, Mr. Cage. Good to have you with us. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, Mary Kay, what do you do when you're not appearing on the show? <laughs> I'm the state executive director of Kansans for Life. Kansans and during uh, during election years, I have a lot more work to do. <laughs> Indeed, you've got some work uh, for you this year. We do. I'm speaking today on behalf of the Kansans for Life Political Action Committee, where there's three parts. We have an educational arm, a legislative arm, and a political arm, and I'm talking today about politics. Well, you've got to be excited this year, because this really looks like a year to where cons- the conservative right, we're going to pick up a few seats, aren't we? We should pick up oh. the governor's. Uh, I think we're going to pick up uh, the governor's chair. I think I think so, and I think Moran's going to be the new senator. I'm hoping that Mr. Kobach is the new secretary of state. And uh, we didn't endorse in the commissioner's uh, race because we were for David Powell. And... Um, on this AG race you were talking about, I had a chance to talk to Derek Smith this week about that. It's not our issue, but about the payday loan issue. Have you talked to him about it? No. Because he said that the bill, 
started out being a bill, I think he said, where returning um, military, you know, so that they couldn't get caught up in, in that or something. And it, I believe the bill passed, like, by over 100 votes in the House. All kinds of things started getting amended on it. And he said to reach 400%, someone would have to take out a payday loan every two weeks for a year, a brand new one every two weeks. So I would encourage you to talk to him about that issue. Well, we're possibly going to have uh, Derek on the show for a brief period of time uh, Monday morning. So, And did I hear you say that, that six had gotten more money from the payday loan people? This was reported in the Topeka Capital Journal of Mary Kay Culp maybe a couple of weeks ago, that six of skirts are far from being clean on this, far from right. being clean. Right. So and, of course, we have a huge problem with Mr. Six when it comes to our issue. And that would be the life issue. That now, would be the life issue, you know, appointed by Kathleen Sebelius. And doing things like asking the Supreme Court to gag the judge in the, uh, in the late-term abortion investigations here in the state and, um, you know, just all kinds of things like that. So we are, we are strongly backing Mr. Schmidt for Attorney General. Okay, Derek Smith's voting record on uh, the life issue. Mary Kay Culp, on a scale of 1 to 10, how solid is You know, before the last couple of years, I'd say it was kind of 50-50, and then in the last few years, it's gotten really good. So um, he's, he's come along, as have a lot of people over the years, as they learn more and hear witnesses there in the Capitol and, you know, keep going forward, and because uh, a lot of it's education, which is why we have a whole education arm. The more people learn, and, it, and legislators are a unique position because, as you know, you're a former legislator, there's hearings, and they get to hear, you know, right from the horse's mouth, right from people who've gone through the experience or worked in the industry, and and uh, they usually end up changing their position for the better. I've, I've had that experience. Well, Mary Kay Culp's my guest, and by the way, my cell phone was ringing while Mary Kay was uh, talking about Derek Smith and who was attempting to call us, none other than Derek Smith. So <laughs> he might be joining us uh, from 8.30 to 9 for a few minutes uh, by phone. He is in Kelly County, I believe, this morning. So we might be hearing from Senator Smith a little later on this morning. Now, Mary Kay Culp, again, you represent Kansans for Life. You've endorsed... Um, have you endorsed in all of our statewide races? Let's run down your endorsement list. Well, I mean, why you're endorsing. We have, you know, in some cases we don't endorse. We don't, we we don't endorse either candidate in a race. But I was just looking it over. It looks like we've endorsed about 85 House, or excuse me, 85 Republicans in the House races and uh, 15 Democrats. And so we've done an awful lot of endorsing, and we have 10 races. We think are are uh, among the key races. Okay, so you have endorsed 15 Democrats, so Kansans for Life, this is not an arm of the Republican Party by any stretch of the imagination. You've <laughs> no. Got, you've got key issues that you're really concerned about. And no, and you know, it has really... has to do with party affiliation. Well, here's the thing. We promise legislators our endorsement in their next election when they when they vote the way we want them to. So we can't, we can't just say, oh, we were just kidding, you know, <laughs> you gave us... You, you were loyal and you gave us a vote, and we're not going to be loyal. So, so uh, you know, we are uh, we honor those endorsements, and um, and then you know, and then we'll see what happens next time. So yeah, so we do that. But there's some key races. There's some great races down here in Kansas City with some some new young uh, 
conservative Republicans that are that are fabulous. There's one here in Mid Overland Park, Greg Smith, who's the father of Kelsey Smith, the girl that was kidnapped from the Target store down here by Oak Park Mall and murdered a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He's running against Lisa Benlon, who used to be a Republican and turned into a Democrat. And um, well, I and just, so, I, I'll disagree with you there. I served with Lisa Benlon. Lisa Benlon was never a Republican. She was. Uh, a <laughs> She used to be my state legislator, and I'll agree with you on that. She happened so. to be registered as a exactly. Republican. Exactly. At least he's being honest now, right? Yes. And so, um, at least the Republican is right where she needs to be. She's in the Democratic Party, and and I respect her for that. You know, she had the courage of her convictions to actually flip over to becoming a Democrat because her voting record was definitely left of center, definitely Democrat when I served with her for four years. Right. Same way with Cindy Neighbor here in Shawnee. And John Rubin is a great Republican candidate running against, uh, running against her. And then we've got Amanda Grossroad, who is, she's a real up-and-comer. This girl started by organizing the Tea Party here, and she's running against Mr. Reardon in uh, Mid-Overland Park. And, you know, this is somebody you look at and think, you know, Amanda can end up being governor someday. She's just really a hot ticket right now. And then um, we've just got some, some really good races here with some great young Republicans. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. Now, Mary Kay Culp, your legislative agenda next year. Yeah, I'm sure you're well, really excited because it, it appears that uh, Senator Brownback is going to win, and he's going to win big, and there's no doubt about the fact that Senator Brownback, soon to be hopefully Governor Brownback, is a dedicated supporter of the Right to Life agenda. But Mary Kay Culper, you got to start off with a realistic agenda, number one, first and foremost, an issue that I think would garner the support of 85% of Kansans would be the elimination once and for all of third trimester abortions. Well, and you know, a lot of a disagreement, you know, when you get into the first trimester issue, but by starting off with a victory, assuring Kansans that there's never going to be another George Tiller, a third trimester abortionist doing Well, it sounds like Kansas. we're kind of thinking along the same, because my idea would be to go back and, and repass the laws that Sebelius vetoed. And one of those key laws was that we require that a diagnosis be given when you're going to abort a baby past 22 weeks. Now, that's actually on the books, but it doesn't use the word diagnosis. So doctors like Tiller sort of pretended like they didn't know they were supposed to write a diagnosis down because it just said you're supposed to give the reason. So we passed another bill we shouldn't have even had to pass. And it got all the way to Sebelius's desk, and she vetoed it. There's been several uh, really reasonable, good bills she vetoed, and I think the first thing we should start out is let's. They passed the House, they passed the Senate, they got to her desk, she vetoed it. This time we got a governor that'll sign them, and I, that's my opinion is that we should go there first. Good for you. I'm delighted to hear that. Another issue I hope uh, the pro-life community gets behind. And this was an issue that was raised by State Representative Peggy Mast uh, a couple of three years ago. This was another bill that uh, got through the House and the Senate requiring abortion clinics to be licensed. In other words, if somebody's going in for an abortion, basically to assure the fact that they're going into a clean, sanitary facility. For the life of me, pardon the pun, I don't understand why the pro-choice community didn't jump all over this in support of pro-life state representative Peggy Mast attempting to clean up abortion clinics. And this was as a result of, you know, 
a clinic that was so filthy that the law enforcement officials, when they went into an abortion clinic in Wyandotte County, refused to sit down. It was that filthy. Well, and you know, that's funny because when we propose those kind of laws, our opponents say, you're just trying to limit access to abortion. And we'll say, okay, we're guilty. First of all, um, one of the things that it requires, you know, is that women get more information. That would be women themselves limiting the access. The other issue is safety and those kinds of things, and I think it looks really bad on them when they oppose those kind of bills. And let me tell you this, that bill was going to require that when there was an injury at an abortion clinic, that it be reported to the medical authorities, I think it was within 10 days, and that a death be reported within 24 hours. Sibelius vetoed that bill, and so you know what the policy is right now? There isn't a policy. There is no policy. It's incredible. And so... All you've got is, is pro-life protesters or sidewalk counselors with a video cam following an ambulance to the emergency room is like the only reporting you have on when women are killed at abortion clinics. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Well, I hope that's taken care of, too, in 2011. It certainly should be. It's just an incredible story that Governor Sebelius would have vetoed a bill basically just cleaning up abortion clinics to make sure they're clean and sanitary and safe. <laughs> you know, well, this I is off. my head over this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of amazing. I think it's because I think it's because uh, in order to have abortion clinics, the the abortionists have to make a lot of money, and in order to make a lot of money, you have to do a lot of abortionists, and you have abortions, you have to do them in a hurry. And when you hold them to medical standards, it slows them down, it stops the flow of money, and uh, they don't like that. Yeah, I charge more for an abortion. You know, I mean, there's ways to do it. Uh, again. It's just an incredible bill. But it sounds like you've got a very reasonable legislative agenda for 2011 that really is going to, I think, satisfy both camps somewhat. Because Mary Kay Kelp, we've both seen the statistics, and I know there are many Kansans that consider themselves pro-choice when it comes to first trimester abortions. But boy, you get into that second and especially third trimester area. This is when everybody comes together. Right, and I think, and it's also, like I said before, a process of education because, you know, there's an awful lot of women in the pro-life movement that had abortions in their past, and a lot of them had first trimester abortions, and living with that the rest of their lives, both physically and mentally, can just be devastating, but the public needs, you know, they usually just hear slogans. They're just hearing slogans from one side, and uh, as people learn the real facts on real women in real-life situations, that is not an answer, um, you know, but that education has to go on. And so um, it's just a process, the, a process of education. Okay. And, and to me, when it comes to politics, we do all the educating we can. And, and uh, an election is like taking a photograph. You take the best photograph you can take right that minute, and then you use the next two years to educate more and get a better photograph. Well, Mary Kay Culp, uh right now, I'm sure you have some figures in our House and the Senate. Unfortunately, there's going to be some changes in the Senate, some of which aren't going to be quite as good. I I can't imagine anybody coming close to being as effective of a senator with such a tremendous voting record as Tim Heelskamp. You know, the conservative right, we're going to lose uh, a huge voice, a huge voice in our I know. state Senate. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be someone somewhat to the right of center but they're not going to be as good as Tim Heelskamp. Our state senate 
has gone far, far, far to the left to start with. And, uh, you know, I, I, we can usually get 21 out of the 40 votes, um, and our real problem has been we've ha we've been in a position of having to override Governor Sebelius's vetoes. Without having to do that, um, even though the Senate, yes, it's it's worse than the House, uh, at least we're only going to have to have a simple majority to get things passed. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're losing a couple, you know, and Senator Barnett, depending on whether he was running for state office or not, uh, <laughs> his conservative voting record was kind of based on what office he was running for. But, again, as I understand it, uh, this seat has taken a turn somewhat to the left. Right. Um, and then, you know, we're losing Dr. Collier. He's going to be a lieutenant governor, but we're not going to have any doctors uh, in the Senate. And, of course, the Senate's not even up for a vote until 2012, except for one Senate seat here in Kansas City. And we had a wonderful conservative running in the primary against Terry Huntington. He is brand new to the process, but a great candidate. He got in late. He got 44% of the vote. I think he'll probably be back next time. Um, but he lost the primary, so um, so right now there's really no change in the Senate. Well, Mary Kay Culp, you know, hopefully there's uh, something good that's going to happen in our state Senate because it's, it's a left-of-center body, and... For the next two years, it's going to go a little more to the left of center based on the replacements that we're seeing mm -hmm. coming out of Emporia, southwest Kansas. Uh, there's not going to be anybody as conservative as Jeff Collier, I don't think, either, coming out of Johnson County to replace him. But what about Derek Smith's state senate seat? Is this going to be a ray of sunshine? Is there going to be some hope that we're actually going to have a conservative replacing Senator Smith? You know, Should he I win his election? What's going to happen down there? I don't know a lot about it. What I've heard is that it, that it's probably likely to, to, you know, kind of be about the same as uh, as Senator Schmidt was, mm -hmm. and not a whole lot of change. Okay, because Derek Schmidt, you know, I think is one of the individuals, one of the few Republicans that I refer to as a moderate Republican. I detest that term <laughs> uh, because there are conservative Republicans. And there's far too many liberal Republicans, <laughs> and there's a few in the middle. You know, and right. I, I would put Derek Smith, you know, in, truly a centrist Republican. And there's so many Republicans far to the left of Derek Smith. So I right. Like I said, Derek's been voting uh, pro-life the last few years. I was kind of, I mean, maybe this is prejudicial of me. I was glad to hear he was a Missouri Synod Lutheran because um, that's certainly the conservative arm of the Lutheran Church. And... Um, and you know, I, I, you know, I, he's he seems to be uh, going the right way and doing the right things, and we're we're really hoping that he's our new attorney general. Well, Mary Kay Culp, you said uh, Mary Kay Culp's my guest. She's the executive director of Kansans for Life, and they have endorsed 85 Republicans running for election or re-election and the Kansas uh, State House. And they've endorsed 15 Democrats, so this is not a group that's an arm of the Republican Party folks. They're concerned about life issues. Now, out of the 100 candidates you've endorsed, how many of these races are really going to be close? How many races do we really need to keep our eye on? Well, you know, there's, there's, races in Kansas? there's about 10 races that we are concerned about. Or, I mean, that we consider sort of the, not that we're concerned about it, but they're the top ten. Mm -hmm. For instance, you've got uh, Terry Lois Gregory running in the 10th district in Baldwin City, and she's a fabulous candidate. She's worked for Mike Kegel for several years, and um, so she's in this pretty liberal area, but she's doing a great job. 
And then there's Terry Calloway in Pittsburgh, Kansas, versus Julie Mangini. Now, Julie Mangini has never voted for a pro-life bill in her life, but Terry Calloway has given her a good run for her money. There's Amanda Grossroad, who I mentioned before, in the middle of Overland Park, and Judge Rubin, and Shawnee, and Greg Smith in Overland Park, and then Brett Hildebrand in Overland Park, young conservative mm-hmm. Tea Party guy, is Brett that, Hildebrand. Is that Ray Hildebrand's son? You know, I don't know. Who is Ray Hildebrand? Ray Hildebrand is Paul of Paul and Paula. And Ray Hildebrand's been somewhat active in Johnson County politics. Remember the song, oh. Hey, Hey, Paula? Yeah. Back in 1962. Well, Ray Hildebrand lives in Johnson County. He's an appraiser, I believe. And he was very active uh, in the treasurer's race a few years ago. Our former huh. state senator, Dennis Wilson. Yeah. Huh. I yeah. didn't know that. I'll have to find out. Now you've got you got a few races up there in Topeka. You got Beggy Miochi, um, you know, uh That's running what I was against ask about. We were gonna get uh, let's go to Shawnee County. Races that you think uh could be fairly close here, competitive races. Well, there's Becky Neochi's in our top ten here, and then there's also Bruce Williamson in the neighboring district, and then there's uh is it Cheryl Green, am I saying that right? Or no, am I Cheryl, getting there? Cheryl Reynolds is running against Reynolds. Sean Gatewood, I believe, in the Oakland community, right? Right. You know, there's some people that think that one's doable because of uh, he's only been in there one term, and mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, you never know what's going to happen this year. <laughs> Another in, out in Junction City in East Geary County, James Fawcett, we've endorsed. That's an open seat with an excellent chance for um, for him to win. And then in Derby, Jim Howell. Uh, he's running against a guy who's a real liberal pro-abortion attorney down there, Lee Kinch. And so we're really fighting for Jim Howell down there. And let's see, i got a couple more. Yeah, uh, Mary Kay Culp, is there any Democrat that you're endorsing that would be within either in Shawnee County or within 25 or 30 miles of Shawnee County? Oh, gosh, now I don't know. 15 Democrats. And right. West of Highway 81, Democrats by and large. Where's this thing coming from? Where's Jan Paul? Is she anywhere in there? Jan Paul is Reno County. Jan Paul has been around forever. Uh, she represents Hutchison and has been a legislator. I think Jan was elected in 1990, I believe. So, right, been we've always for a long time. Yeah, she's a great pro-life Democrat, and we've we've always endorsed her. And um, I don't have them right in front of me. I'm sorry. Oh, well, that reminds me. I should do a commercial for our for our political action committee website, sure. uh, where which is voteprolife.net, as in basketball net. Vote pro life, no hyphens or anything. Just voteprolife.net, and we have county voter guides. And if you're in one of the bigger counties with a whole list of reps running, then you we got a little link to the Secretary of State's website where you can look up your county, your your uh, districts first. And we mailed um, over several hundred thousand address-specific postcard ballots here in uh, here in Kansas. But uh, people can go to that voteprolife.net and figure it out for themselves if they didn't get one of those postcards. Okay, Mary Kay Culp, something that I point out every time we have uh, a lobbyist or when we get into politics on a statewide basis. I've been doing this for five years, and I've really taken a look at our state senate. It's, it's really kind of easier to chart, easier to map on voting records. And I've broken the state senate down into three parties, pro-life Republicans, pro-choice Republicans, and Democrats. And... Without exception, over the past five years, the statistics have pretty much remained the same, that pro-life Republicans on tax and spend issues, which is truly the issue that I'm passionate about, 
the pro-life Republicans vote right about 75% of the time. Democrats in our state Senate, they vote right about 30% of the time. Pro-choice Republicans vote right 25% of the time. Democrats actually have a better voting record than our left-of-center Republican crowd. Which uh, And this has been consistent over the next five years. Where I'm going with all this, I've got a guest coming in that truly is one of the exceptions to the rule. And this is a candidate, Mary Kay Culp. I know you're not endorsing. You're not endorsing anybody <laughs> in the 52nd District. But Lana Gordon, Lana represents a district that I used to represent years ago. And Lana's got a great, great voting record on tax and spend issues. So, But I know this is a race. You're staying out of that race altogether, I believe. Uh, Kyle you know, Kessler, I think it's Ke- Mr. Kessler is her opponent. Kyle Kessler. Oh, okay. I well, don't believe. Think, yeah, I don't think there's an. That was uh, one of those we didn't. What what district is it? Fifty-two, fifty-second. Fifty-two. Let me look at my. I'm all ready for you here. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, no endorse, no endorsement in that race. So we're not going either way. But yeah, Lana is kind of the exception to the rule. I talked. I've talked uh, with some of the guys from Americans for Prosperity and Chamber of Commerce about her because she is the exception. Most of your pro-life people are also conservative on uh, fiscal issues. It's kind of the brain seems to work together that way. Yeah, yeah. and Leonard truly is an exception. And uh, I always recognize her as being one of the exceptions to the rule because there, there's not many that are. But I'm glad you're saying the same thing, basically. Well, no, yeah, oh no, it's definitely true. It really is, and so uh, it's kind of odd that that somebody's different like that. But anyway, you know, I wanted to get back to Derek Smith for just a minute, if you sure. don't care, because I'm now I've got his voting record up in front of me, and you know, he he voted to override Governor Sebelius several times when she would veto pro-life bills, and he voted for Alexa's law. You know, that was the law with, um, mm-hmm. you know, with. Uh, the second crime for killing a pregnant woman, uh, for killing the baby. And um, he has, uh, let me look here, the uh, Comprehensive Abortion Reform Act. He's, he's voted for a lot of good pro-life bills, especially in the last couple of years. Okay, so that's a very, very strong endorsement for Derek Smith. Let's run down the complete list as far as uh, the candidates running for statewide office real quick because we've got about five minutes to go. Mary Kay Culp's my guest. She's joining me by phone, and she heads up Kansans for Life. Let's start with the governor's race. Uh, that would be Brownback Collier. Okay. All right. Uh, that, that, that was pretty obvious. I think uh, <laughs> Senator Brownback has definitely been a strong supporter uh, and a great spokesperson for the Right to Life community. Okay. Let's go to the next race. Attorney General, we just talked about that, a strong endorsement for Derek Smith. Right. And again, because of Derek Smith's voting record for Steve Six's record against. So oh, yeah, we've really got some problems with Mr. Six. And my, my, my battle cry is Nix Six. <laughs> 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 and Fire Buyer, that's the other thing that we haven't talked about. Not retaining the top, the Supreme Court justices are up for retention. That's probably a whole other show, but... Anyway, go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, again, we've got four justices up for retention. And this gets into the age-old debate, you know, on whether we should elect or appoint judges. And Murray K. Culp, I've said for years that I'm undecided on this issue. You know, it's the last person that talks to me normally is how I would vote on this issue because I can understand both sides of it. But we truly have an opportunity to say no to some of these Supreme Court justices if we feel we're not being represented. Well, you know, I think uh, I think that you bring up a good point. Someone told me yesterday 
when we came up with this nomination process, which right now is no good, um, it was it was a good thought at the time, but now people have sort of overreached, and we need to get back to sort of a, a, a more balanced approach. And uh, the reason that we really got upset, especially with Justice Beyer, was because the former Chief Justice McFarlane actually called her out, and former Chief Justice Davis, in a in a decision from December of '08 where they upheld Phil Klein, where he had done nothing. They said the majority, he's done nothing wrong, and yet and yet Justice Beyer went on for 18 pages about it. You know, she has a background in uh, as a women's law center in Washington D.C., a very pro-abortion feminist organization. But Justice McFarlane. Um, you know, describe what Bayer did as the very antithesis of restrained discretion and not an appropriate exercise of our inherent power when talking about Justice Bayer. So then we find out our opponents on this are something called the Kansas Commission on Judicial Qualifications, which is tax-funded to the tune of $700,000, that are our actual opponents in our uh, efforts to have people vote not to retain the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Mary Kay, this, uh, let's get into this. In a, again, we're down to about three minutes. Okay. And I'm going to have you rate uh, the four Supreme Court justices that are up for retention. I think you and I are certainly going to agree on the first two. The other two, I don't know. But Carol Byer, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, I would give her a solid one. <laughs> I give her a zero. <laughs> a zero. Well, let's go with a zero because I think... Our, are we in agreement on this, Mary Kay Culp? Out of the four that are up for retention, she would be the most liberal of the four. Are we on the same page? Yes, okay. but yeah, and certainly on our issues, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go with number two. Let's go to Nuss. Dan, Dan Biles, is he uh, number let's, two? Let's go to Nuss, Lawton Nuss. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, we're going to be against all four because of majority decisions that we yeah. think that they're biased against us. Now, we get into other issues when we talk specifics, like about Nuss. He's the one that had the meeting with Senator Morris yes. that was illegal. Yes, fair funding, the illegal lunch. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then you have Mr. Biles. The, the, as far as I know about Mr. Biles, you probably know more than I do, but his claim to fame is he was a law partner of Larry Gates, the head of the Democratic Party. Right. Right. And, you know, a, a party that cashed Dr. Tiller's checks for years. You know, Dr. Tiller's PAC was the number one spending PAC in Kansas in 2002 and in, a, and in the top ten in 2004, and don't even get me started on that. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, you have Dan Biles, and then you have Lawton Nuss, and then you have Mark, Marla Lukert. Yeah, uh, tell me about Marla Lukert, because, again, this is uh, one of the justices that I actually do know, and I, I certainly don't perceive Marla Lukert as being part of the conservative right movement, but I don't put her necessarily in the same camp that I would put Nuss and Byer. Am I wrong on well, that? Well, right, except for the thing is, you know, these are yes and no votes, and we're, we're asking yep. people to vote no. It's not like yep. we can really give them a rating, and we're talking about Supreme Court justices have ruled against us, you know, before, and so, uh, but I would say of the four, she's the least offensive, yes, that's, uh, that's probably true, but we would still ask people not to retain them. Mary <laughs> Kay, this uh, half hour is going far too fast. If uh, our listeners want more information, let's toss out a website in terms of your endorsed list of candidates, and again, 85 Republican members of the House are candidates for the House in Kansas, uh, Republicans, they've been endorsed, 15 Democrats, if you want uh, to find out what Kansans for Life has done, possibly for your favorite candidate, you can go to... 
votesprolife.net. Okay, voteprolife.net. Now, our regular website is kfl.org, but, you know, government rules. You've got to have a separate website for political action. Mary Kay, it's been good to have you on the show. It's been great. Thanks. Okay, coming up, uh, 9 o'clock, we've got Earl Glenn, John Arnold coming on. We're going to be talking about voter fraud, possibly, coming up at 9 o'clock. And joining me on the flip side of the break, Lana Gordon, State Representative from Southwest Topeka, Southwest Shawnee County. It is all coming up. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news. Connection. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Her two new oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductile carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? This is Olivia Newton-John. As soon as you get your diagnosis, you can go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org. The first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Canada Drug of Topeka provides a safe and easy way of delivering prescriptions to your door and saving you money every day. Are your medication costs spiraling out of control? Is Plan B really saving you any money once you reach the donor hole? For many of us, saving money on skyrocketing medication costs has become a vital way of controlling those tight monthly budgets. I'm Eric with Canada Drug. We're locally owned and operated, have been for over five years, serving your friends and neighbors, helping them save thousands of dollars yearly on essential prescription medications. To find out how you can have more medication at the end of your month for less money, call us at Canada Drug today, 785-272-6100, or visit us just east of Wanamaker on 17th between Applebee's and McDonald's. Canada Drug of Topeka, 272-6100. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. We're back with Jim Cates at cjonline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, we are back. Jim, uh, Cates at cjonline.com. If you've got a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Something that I promised to read Monday. Never got around to it. And uh actually got an email asking if I would do this. For those of you that are travelers, you can go to Databank USA and get the same information. But gas taxes, because after the election, I know several of you are going to be traveling. Let's take a look at what state uh, gas taxes are in Kansas. 
currently 25 cents a gallon. That's what you're paying in state tax. Well, is that good, bad, or indifferent? Depending on where you're headed. If uh, you're headed to Missouri, folks, I think I would fill up in Kansas City, Missouri, rather than Kansas City, Kansas. Because gas taxes in Missouri are 17.3 cents a gallon. So, folks, you're saving almost 8 cents a gallon by gassing up in Missouri if you're headed east. If you're headed south, well, the same thing applies. Uh, Oklahoma's gas tax per gallon, 17 cents a gallon. And if you're headed a little farther south, 20 cents a gallon in Texas compared to Kansas is 25 cents. If you're headed west, well, you might want to wait until you get to Colorado. This isn't looking very good. Uh, 22 cents a gallon in Colorado for gas tax. Now, the good news is, I guess if you're headed to Nebraska, gas up before you go because Nebraska's gas tax is actually higher than uh, Kansas, 27.7 cents a gallon. We're headed to Nevada, as we always do, sometime in January or February. God knows you don't want to buy gas in that state. 33.1 cents a gallon gas up in Arizona before you get there because Arizona, 19 cents a gallon. Okay, there it is. And again, uh, you can look all of this up on Databank USA. All that information is there. Good morning. Uh, oh, I've got to run a plug for our good friends at Brickhouse Antiques, 37th and Burlingame. They buy and sell antiques, folks. Um, Again, when they sell an antique, they've got to have an antique to replace that one. So if you've got a bunch of antiques at home, maybe you're contemplating a garage sale and an estate sale, which, by the way, Brickhouse Antiques can handle for you. They can handle an estate sale for you and really maximize your profit if you're uh, leaning in that direction. But maybe you've just got one or two antiques that you'd like to sell. They'll come out to your house and take a look at those. You don't have to throw them in the back of the pickup. They'll come to you. Uh, 37th and Burlingame, they're open seven days a week, and their phone number 266-6000, Brickhouse Antiques. Good morning, Representative Lana Gordon. Good morning. Let's see, we better get you turned on. Okay, how's that? I think. Now we now. can hear you. Now okay. we can hear you. How are you doing? You've got, uh, what, four days to go? Four days uh, to go. Election day. Uh, I'll be very glad when it's here. Yeah. Um, Lana, you know, in Shawnee County, I think uh, you would represent what I consider the most conservative house district, legislative district. Maybe Representative Burgess might be a little more conservative than you as far as the rank and file voter. Mm -hmm. But you definitely represent a right right of center conservative district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty high proportion. Well, Earl Glenn just walked in. By the way, (laughs) 9 o'clock, we're going to be talking about uh, voter fraud. You know, this is when we talk about the top stories of the week. And uh, Earl Glenn's done a lot lot of work on that. So... Earl is going to be joining us at uh, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But out of all 10 house seats in Shawnee mm-hmm. County, you would yeah. have either number one or number two yeah, as far as the conservative so. district. Right, right. As far as the percentage of Republicans in the district and so forth, I, I either have the highest or next to highest. I'm yeah, And you've been around sure. forever. Was Gu- Landon governor when you came into the house? <laughs> I mean, you've been there forever. Not quite. You huh? were there. You huh? were there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> You were there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lana Gordon, you know, as we pointed out many times on the show, you are somewhat of an exception to the rule. Your voting record on tax and spend issues, it's uh, it's been a great one uh, since you've been in the House. Your voting record, uh, you're one of the more conservative members on fiscal issues, very responsible fiscally, and one of the true exceptions to the rule because abortion drives so many votes in this state, either pro-choice or pro-life, and you're one of the very few exceptions uh, to the rule, a pro-choice Republican, that has a strong voting record on tax and spend issues. 
Now, if you were to have a pro-choice caucus and on fiscal issues, people that are truly right of center, you could pretty much do it in a phone booth, couldn't you? <laughs> I'd be all by myself. I, I think, I think you might be. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, Why is that? Why aren't there more pro-choice legislators that are truly fiscally responsible? Because I don't say this tongue-in-cheek. You truly are one of the very, very few exceptions to that rule. Why? You know, I... I don't, I don't know, Jim. I've just, I've just always, you know, I ran as a fiscal conservative, and that's, you know, kind of always the way it's been. I, I don't take, I, I've always felt like abortion was not an issue for the government to take up, um, and I've, you know, just kind of stayed, you know, on track with that. It's not a choice I could make personally for myself. It's not a choice I want to make for my children. But I have three daughters, and I've always felt like. You know, if it was a choice between the life of, you know, the mother and, you know, the baby, I know my children. And so that's a very difficult thing. And I've never taken money from Tiller or any other organization because I do feel like that is an issue that should not be a government issue. Yeah, and I might point out, Lana Gordon, Representative Gordon, you, this might be one of the very few issues you and your opponent are going to agree on because uh, Kansans for Life out of 125 House districts have made an endorsement in 100 districts. 85 Republicans, 15 Democrats have been endorsed by Kansans for Life. 25 uh, seats, they've just chosen to sit the race out because there's general agreement on both sides. And your opponent and you agree on this issue, both of which are considered pro-choice. So therefore, Kansans for Life sits this one out. Yeah. Okay. I uh, just want to make sure that everybody knows that... Uh, this might be the only issue that you and your opponent are going to agree on. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> what it, I'm really surprised because uh, years ago, of course, I represented this district mm -hmm. and uh, still live in it. And I'm surprised at the money the Democrats are pouring into this district because it's always perceived, been perceived as a pretty strong Republican mm -hmm. district. And again, a strong conservative district right you're both what what is happening this year why twenty thousand dollars of democrat money poured into this district the, what's happening well i i have a formidable opponent and the and he's he's raised a sizable amount of money on his own because he's a lobbyist for a nonprofit organization he has some connections with people that i don't i mean connections like for uh -huh. big big contributions and, you know, our limit is 500 per cycle, and, and he has a lot of those, uh, not a lot of individuals, but a lot of, you know, organizations and businesses and so forth have supported him. And he believes that, because I talked to him before the election started, he called me to tell me he was running against me, he believes that he has the chance to win because Sebelius carried our district. Um, I don't think one thing has to do with the other, particularly, it has nothing to do with it. Uh, Kathleen Sebelius was a hometown girl, basically, here, or considered a hometown girl, and so she always had that advantage. And, uh, you know, they've, you know, he, he's decided to, you know, pick things out of, of course, um, and, and I think the Democrats have done this statewide, pick things out of the voting uh, record that have to do with, if you didn't support the sales tax increase, which I didn't support the sales tax increase, then what they're saying is then you, you know, didn't fund this, you didn't fund that, you know. 
And um, I thought this was the wrong time to be raising sales taxes. We, we have an awful lot of folks unemployed. I heard a number yesterday, 100,000 Kansans are unemployed right now. And as I've walked door to door, I've, I've come across more people than I could imagine that have told me they've either been unemployed and now they're reemployed or they're still unemployed and looking for something and, or somebody in the household is unemployed. This is an alarming amount of people. And if they're, if they've found a new job, they're not replacing it at the rate that what they had, you know, before. And so how does that spur the economy? Going door to door, has there been any issue, because again, you do this every other year, you know, you're knocking on doors. Any issue that surfaced Representative Lana Gordon this year that's really surprised you? Any surprises, or has it been pretty predictable? No, I, I don't think there's been any surprises. I think the thing that most people are, are the most worried about is jobs and the economy. Um, they're very concerned about what our future is. You know, I, I've been on many doorsteps where people are just plain scared. And a lot of their apathy or, you know, uneasiness, and I wouldn't say apathy so much, but uneasiness comes from national level and what's happening in the national level because you know, the health care situation is a complete unknown at this point, how that's going to affect. Now, I can tell you from my small experience, I'm on one health plan, my husband's on another health plan with work, and um, our rates are going up, our deductibles are going up, our co-pays are going up, again, taking more money out of our pockets without our incomes going up. And I think that's happening to a lot of people. So I think we're starting to see the effects of the implementation of the, um, you know, of, of the health care. Now, last night I spent quite a bit of time on the phone with, with the small business owner. He and his wife own a, own a couple businesses here in Topeka. They are scared to death of the tax situation that may be coming down from Washington. They're scared to death of the cost of health care for their employees. They provide health care for their employees, and they have 401Ks for their employees, but they're very concerned about it, about what those costs are going to be. And with rising taxes... And property taxes, which, you know, I certainly don't support property taxing. Well, I you know, looking at uh, the fiscal issues, because you also have a lot of state employees in your mm -hmm. district, um, one of the districts in Shawnee County that possibly you might have percentage-wise, the highest percentage of state mm -hmm. employees might live in your district, mm -hmm. capers. Mm -hmm. The solvency of our state pension plan, not good. No. On a scale of 1 to 10, maybe a 3 or a 4, this is an issue somebody's got to address at some point in time. Now, being a conservative, obviously the press is not going to be good mm -hmm. when you address it because something has got to give. Mm -hmm. Lower benefits, increased contributions. Somehow we have to fund this. We've Absolutely. got a responsibility. But how do we do that through the eyes of a fiscal conservative? Because next year... Hopefully, it's going to be the year where we start addressing this. Mm -hmm. The feds have all kinds of problems on their hands <laughs> on the same type of issues. But, you know, localizing this issue into Kansas, mm -hmm. this has got to be one of the top five issues next year we have to address. Absolutely. It? And that's another issue what that do we I do? heard a bit about. Well, I think we have to really look at um, what's working and what's not working in state government and, and look to... Um, you know, some efficiencies perhaps. You know, we, we always hear from state employees that, you know, they know there's waste going on and, um, you know, to what degree. And I think that you have to prioritize what issues are 
um, the most important to Kansans in funding. And, you know, the state, you know, the state pension plan is one of those top priorities. Uh, we've got to get that in better balance. You know, I, as I've told people when I'm walking door to door, it's a major concern that, you know, every time you've got a fund like that, you rob it to pay something else. And that is the wrong policy. You know, sweeps and, and all that kind of stuff of funds that are intended for one purpose shouldn't really happen to go to another purpose. Yep. It's going to be a toughie. Um, yeah. Because, again, you know, any time that, you know, those of us that are fiscally responsible, if we attempt to cut something or hold the line on it, and then we're perceived as being hard-hearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not perceived as being compassionate. Right. Well, to me, it's compassionate to straighten this mess out to where people that are retired, former state employees, they're actually going to mm-hmm. have a pension to draw from in 10 years. Oh, absolutely. That's compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, just burying our head in the sand, that's not compassion. That's stupidity and irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I can't agree with you more. Well, I hope, you oh, know, yeah. that, uh, everybody can come together on this one and come up with uh, something that's not going to break the backs of the taxpayers, mm-hmm. but by the same token, you know, is going to work our way out of this mess. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, that's going to be the big, <coughs> biggest issue facing us will be the budget still and, and figuring out where those things go. I mean, I, I was really concerned when... Right before last session, when we were ready to go back in January, Governor Parkinson made some budget cuts. And, you know, he did some things he needed to do, but one of the things that I thought should not have been a top priority was the Medicaid. He, he or, you know, the Medicaid uh, to people, he cut that way back. And that's not your priority to cut on. Yep. You know, to me, that would mm. not be a place that you go first. But then again, that can play into helping um, encourage people to vote for a tax increase. Yep. Well, you know, I'll give Mark Parkinson credit and something. I don't know what you as a legislator can do, but I'm looking at this Beechcraft situation in Wichita. We were about to lose a major employer, which would have a spillover effect. All of us that live in Shawnee County, Johnson County, wherever, would be impacted if Beechcraft were to pull up stakes and go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It appeared that Mark Parkinson, you know, at the 11th hour came in and basically saved Beechcraft, provided that the machinist locals would vote to ratify a contract. Well, uh, these machinists working for Beechcraft in Wichita making $27 an hour, they were asked to cut their salary back to $24 an hour and increase their contributions to their health insurance plan. These idiots didn't ratify the contract. We could still lose thousands of jobs in Kansas. I would hope that this machinist union would require at least, if somebody's going to join the machinist union, to have an IQ of above 70, uh, because apparently that's not the case down there. These fools are going to go from $24 an hour down to $425 a week on unemployment. It's just, it's amazing. And I hope Governor Parkinson, again, will step in before he leaves office mm-hmm. and will make whatever offer we need to mm-hmm. make to retain Beechcraft. And I, what I w- can you as a legislator do, you know, if, if in fact Governor Parkinson's not successful? Because we can't lose Beechcraft. This is a Kansas-grown mm-hmm. industry that employs far too many a lot of people. Yeah. people for us to lose. Mm-hmm. How do we convince these organized labor, that they're cutting their nose off to spite their face. I don't understand this one. I don't know, Jim, because I I don't understand that type of mindset. I don't either. I I just, I don't understand, you know, what, 
you know, what they're trying to stand up for because essentially they're, they're putting at risk all these thousands of jobs at good paying wages, probably better paying wages even at $24 an hour, than what most people may be making. Yeah. And it's very seldom because I normally respect somebody's differing opinion. It's very seldom that I refer to anybody on this show as an idiot or a fool. <laughs> I am making an exception for the people that voted no on this contract. Uh, there's just no rational reason why it they should amazing do it. They're affecting us all. Well, it sure it is because we're utter stupidity. And when we lose that much aircraft business, like we, you know, we have over time, that's a huge percentage of our state's economy. Yeah, and organized labor could have done this better because November the 1st, there's going to be a major layoff. Uh, Beach has already announced that a lot of these machinists, a third of them, are going to be laid off regardless of what this vote was. They knew that was coming. Why didn't organized labor, you know, the, administ the administrators, hold this ratification mm -hmm. vote off until after November the 1st? Because I know you had a lot of these machinists, employees, knowing they were going to be laid off, that voted not to ratify the contract, which hurts all of their fellow workers, mm -hmm. which means thousands of people are going on in the unemployment rolls because of just, I guess, sticking the needle in the eye of management, which wasn't going to help this one-third of the machinist uh, employees anyway. They're gone, regardless. So, you know, this possibly could have been ratified without that group voting on this contract. It just looks like nobody has used an ounce of sense down there. And so. uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, Lana, since I've got you on the show, uh, Earl Glenn, I think, has heard this. Uh, Earl might not be back because he's heard this a thousand times before <laughs> sitting in here. Every time I have an elected official on the uh -oh. show, I get into the county treasurer situation. Uh -huh. And, again, we've got that as an issue on the ballot uh, Tuesday, mm -hmm. whether to elect a county treasurer, continue electing one, or turning it over to our county commission. Mm -hmm. uh, frankly, I'm going to vote to continue uh, business mm -hmm. as usual. I don't want to turn anything over to our county commission any more than we've already turned over. But that's not addressing the real problem. Lenny, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to continue lobbying on this until we get the situation changed, that <clears throat> out of our county treasurers, 103 counties elect, mm -hmm. two counties appoint. But again, anybody that's defeated... Come Tuesday, they're going to leave office in January uh, at all levels of government with the exception of our county treasurer. They hang around for 11 months after their defeat. Now, again, Lana, keep in mind there's only two reasons why you would ever vote against an incumbent county treasurer, Republican or Democrat, putting politics on the mm -hmm. shelf mm -hmm. for the time being, to make a responsible vote on whether to retain or throw somebody out of office. There's Two reasons why you should vote no on an incumbent county treasurer. Either, either A, they're too stupid to run the office, or B, they're thieves. Now, those are the two scenarios to where a responsible voter would say no. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. So if we vote no, and if we vote to throw somebody out of office, either because of incompetency or thievery, they're going to hang around for 11 more months. I know. It makes now, no sense. It makes no sense. And the State that. Association of County Treasurers says, well, it's going to give that defeated treasurer a chance to clean up the books. If the books were clean, <laughs> this treasurer never would have been defeated in the first place. <laughs> That's right. It makes no sense whatsoever. And somebody at some point in time has got to yeah. introduce legislation to get this squared away. You know, I have Will you do that? Sure. 
I have looked into that before because it, I was shocked when I learned that information probably a couple of years ago because I did not realize. Well, I'm sure you heard it on the show because I've been talking maybe, about it. I, yeah. Because I did not realize that the county treasurer, I mean, this is just appalling. It's kind of like firing an employee and keeping them on for another year. And, and yeah. they're so angry, who knows what they might do. You just can't Absolutely. take, you know, you just can't take that chance. And so it seems similar to that. I don't understand why you would keep somebody in there beyond the time they're done. Yeah. Now, yeah. now the excuse, because I know I looked into this issue several years ago, and I'm trying to remember what the excuse was. It had something to do with well, balancing the books to balancing give, the books, leaving to get a clean ready, set of books behind. Which can Maybe it was more pertinent when we didn't have computers, but now, to me, the computers ought to be keeping it up to date every day. I don't, yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. So this issue on the ballot Tuesday in Shawnee County, it's really not going to address the real problem. And I'm no. not getting into the Larry Wilson situation, folks. This has nothing to do and, with and uh, I, Treasurer Wilson. And I can't really speak to that either because I, no, I don't really know. Yeah. But I'm just looking but. at the issue in its entirety. It just makes no sense for the to allow us to continue mm -hmm. this. I agree. And it gets into an issue we're going to be talking about on the flip side of 9 o'clock, and that's mm -hmm. voter fraud, because the Democrats keep saying, well, there's no voter fraud in Kansas. Whether there is or isn't, the potential for voter fraud is certainly there if we don't have voter IDs. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's happening or well, not, Earl Glenn might fill us yeah. in on that. But even if it's not happening, mm -hmm. the potential is there. Yeah. You know, it's just, why not? Why not why try not to address, minimize absolutely. the potential? You know, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about, anyway. Is trying to minimize those opportunities. Why would I want some, to take the chance that somebody could come in and say they're me and vote on my name? You know, I mean, that yeah. can happen. Yeah, you betcha. Do you see a race shaping up that uh, we really need to keep our eye on Tuesday? Oh gosh, <clears throat> what's um, going to be the hottest uh, hottest race out there? Do you think? In Kansas. Seems like the Attorney General's race is probably the hottest race in, in statewide. Yeah. And I'll give six credit. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dwayne Nightingale, is uh, Derek Smith's campaign chairman here mm -hmm. in Shawnee County. But to give six credit, he's got a very effective TV ad yeah. on this payday loan industry. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be so many legislators, I think, mm -hmm. that are going to change their thinking on the payday. I think it's a slimy, sleazy business myself. But they poured a lot of money into legislative races. I don't know. Your race, probably so. Your opponent's race, probably so, because they kick out a lot of money. But charging somebody 400% interest is just unconscionable. And Six has managed to taint Derek Smith with that brush. And Derek probably should go about the business maybe of fighting back and say, hey, you know, I've taken money, probably made a mistake on backing these slime balls, but they're, they've kicked more money into Attorney General Six's campaign than they have mine. And I think Derek needs to go about the business of getting that message out. The Cap Journal reported this oh, on really? campaign contributions, oh. that Six's skirts aren't clean on this issue oh, either. either. Oh, no, okay. no. Okay. But there's been a lot of this money uh, that's come in. Mm -hmm to the sixth campaign as well. So, I don't know. I think uh, that could be the race. I think, I mean, I think that's probably the most hotly contested statewide. And, you know, so. one of the reasons I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Democrats, frankly, have given up on the governor's race. Mm -hmm. Senator Brownback's yeah. going to be elected. I think we would all agree to that. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, if they're looking to save somebody somewhere that possibly can lead their party in 2012, mm -hmm. not going to be Tom Holland. 
he's going down to defeat. <laughs> so that leaves, you know, the Democrats mm -hmm. to infuse, if they're going to infuse the money, money yeah. into a race. I think so. Six is getting it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So. I think you're right. It's going to so. be quite a night. Yeah. Yep, it will. We'll be glad. So I'm sure the voters will be glad it's over, too, because they're tired of getting their mailboxes stuffed with all kinds of mail. And uh, I've been amazed because I get all this mail. Well, I don't get all this mail. My wife gets all the mail. And I keep asking Nancy, how are you registered again? <laughs> and and I, I don't know the target. There's there's definitely a target. My, my race has been targeted. And... Um, there's definitely a target. I don't know. Maybe it's women. Maybe it's men. But I know men who've gotten it, too. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, my name's off the list. Uh, Anybody they think might possibly vote for the Democrat, that's yeah. that's kind of what they're going after. Yeah. So, um, And I, I've been just busy going door to door, trying, you know, staying on my plan, and um, we plan to win. Well, folks, I don't know Kyle Kessler. I've never met the gentleman. Uh, don't know much about him. But I do know a lot about Lana Gordon, and her voting record, again, is just uh, par excellence on the issues that should be important to us all, and those are issues dealing with the economy. My compliments and best wishes. Thank you so, for having me on, Jim. Absolutely, anytime. You. You're a goodie. Okay, coming up, we have Earl Glenn. We're going to get into the top stories of the week, and uh, John Arnold, I just got an email from John. And he's going to be joining us by phone, it looks like. And Ken softly says that uh, we had Lana's uh, mic turned up way too high. That was my fault, so we'll adjust that. And we are off and running when we return. And Earl Glenn's been working on a very interesting story uh, dealing with voter fraud. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience the local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life. Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go 
the minute you find out you have breast cancer. We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, John Arnold's going to be calling in. I think I got an email from him about a half hour ago, and he's not going to be joining us in person. He should be calling in. Before we formally introduce our guest, well, he's not a guest, he's on the show, my gosh, on a very regular basis now, I want to plug Jeremiah Bullfrog's 29th and Wanamaker. And again, folks, if uh, you're a sports aficionado, there's no better place to watch a game, whatever the game is. Uh, football, yeah, we're in the football season, but basketball, it's right around the corner. You can catch everything at Jeremiah Bullfrog's. 55 TVs, 55 TVs. And I'm probably going to be at Jeremiah Bullfrogs for a brief period of time tomorrow because I have a small illegal wager I've made. I probably shouldn't be. <laughs> you probably shouldn't say that on the air, Jim, should you? But there are witnesses now. <laughs> Besides just me. Well, I'm going to cancel that. I'm not going to make You'll that. edit that out of the, right. of the online. Uh, right. You a football fan, Earl? Uh, not so much. Hmm. Well, I've got um, Missouri is playing Nebraska. And Missouri is an eight-point underdog. So... Well, I think Missouri's going to cover that spread. So, folks, for those of you that want to make some money on this game tomorrow, bet going the other way because my luck hasn't been that good. John Arnold? I'm here. You're a football fan. I just offended, by the way, Ken Softly that emailed me a half hour ago because uh-huh. I just admitted publicly that I am voting against Nebraska tomorrow. Well, I think Nebraska could win the game, but eight points, Missouri plus eight points. Hmm? What do you think? I think it'll be a good game. Um, well, that's a cop out. Well, it is, but Nebraska uh, looked awfully strong when I, I first watched them against Washington early. I think it was one of the first games. And Washington was supposed to be challenging for the national championship and Jake Locker for the Heisman. Yeah. And Nebraska just ate them alive. And um, then this game last week against Oklahoma State, it was a real. Wasn't that Oklahoma State? No, yeah, 51 41, something like that. Yeah. A real shootout. Well, Nebraska's got, you know, uh, they could have a Heisman candidate uh, in Taylor Martinez, their exactly. freshman quarterback. And this kid stays healthy. He's going to be, my Lord, is he going to be good. Yeah, he's just a freshman. He'll, he's uh, he's doing really good. I think Bo Pelini has done a super job at, up in Nebraska. Now, if you've ever watched his, the Bo Pelini show, it's on noon. Oh, it's on uh, one, one of those. You know, Pelini, and I, I know he's a good coach because he certainly has turned uh, Nebraska around. Nebraska's, you know, having some good years under Pelini. Uh, so he obviously is a good coach. But if Keith Oberman ever needed a substitute, I think I'd look at Bo Pelini. You know, he just comes across to me as obnoxious. I just don't like the guy. Bo comes across as obnoxious? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, he's got that gangbanger hat that he wears on the sidelines. I don't know. Yeah, is it the smirk or something, too? Yeah, just, has? Yeah, well, I don't I, know. You know, there's some people that just I, I hack you off looking at him, and he's one of them. Huh? You know, we have uh, a former Topekan, Greg Sharp, is the voice of the Huskers. Yes, he is. And he interv- interviews Bo Pelini on the Bo Pelini show. And I watched it one of the first times. And Greg Sharp was just sweating needles trying to get some kind of statement out of Bo that was interesting. <laughs> it was, you know, you've interviewed people like that, Jim, and it's, uh, it was funny watching Greg, but he'd say, well, Bo, I understand that you're working hard to get the defense back up to shape uh, and be the real black shirts. He says, yes, I'm working very hard to get the defense back up to shape so they'll be the real black shirts. <laughs> and then Greg would come with something else, and he'd just repeat it back to him. It was one boring TV show. 
I <laughs> 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 had Greg do it, and he was trying his best to to get something out of this guy. It was something. But yeah. he's a good coach. Yeah, and having said that, you know, they're a basketball coach. If you talk to the reporters downstairs here at the Capitol Journal, they just love this guy. Doc Sadler? Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a very personable guy. Apparently, and just a class individual, you know, yep, a real gentleman as well. So yeah, those people I want to see win. You know, I like to see the nice guys finish first. Yeah, and, uh, it's just difficult to recruit basketball players to Nebraska. I think. Yeah, well, you would think, but you would think it would be difficult to recruit football players to well, Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, Snyder does it. So yeah, the difference, I guess, is uh, you know they've got a stadium with eighty thousand people. They're going to increase it to ninety, I believe it is. Nebraska, yeah. And uh, they always say, okay, we'll, we'll bring the, the big old farm boys in as linemen, and then we'll recruit some fast little inner city guys as uh, mm-hmm. receivers and running backs, and they do pretty well with that. They do pretty well with it. Good morning, Earl Glenn. Good morning, Jim. Uh, looking at basketball, football recruits, any of these people voting illegally? Uh, uh, I guess the only sports thing that's related to that was when the uh, the guy at KU was up on ethics charges, so that's about as close as I've been to, to sports reporting. <laughs> You've uh, done quite a bit of work on, uh, this is the story, folks, we're going to be talking about first. Earl Glenn has really done a lot of work uh, on the voter fraud issue. In fact, uh, you talked about that uh, teaser or two last Friday, what was coming up this week. Let's talk about your findings. Well, I've been working with uh, Russ Potosik from Channel 41, and Russ and I have been working maybe a month or more on this. And what we did is we took the death master file, so you can get from the government, 87 million people that have died in the United States, and then try to do the best you can to match that up with the voter registration list. So I pulled out 1.2 million from the death master file that I thought had some connection to Kansas to avoid false positives. And then, that, so we matched that against 1.7 million voters. And at the first go-round, we, we matched up uh, 1,966 people that were potentially dead and in Kansas. And the numbers that Russ and I have been using and kind of got into some of the press reports yesterday, we can fairly easily verify maybe one in three of these people are dead. It gets real difficult when you're more than, when you've been dead five or ten years ago, there just aren't the records that are online about that, and so it's hard to verify some of those things. So once you start with with this almost 2,000 dead people, you look at their voter history and say, well, did they vote in any election? And what the first round of numbers on that was, there was about 75 statewide that we identified. Missouri or Kansas? This is all, I'm only talking about Kansas. We did the same analysis in Missouri, but unless you want Missouri stuff, I'll, I'll focus on Kansas here. But we did exactly the same thing in both states. So uh, 75 people that potentially, at least the record said that they, they voted. But you have a couple problems here. The, the death master file and the voter registration, it's a fuzzy match. And so not everything matches up. A week ago, we kind of did on the tease that, that uh, former Governor Avery was on the list. Well, I had a scoring system that said how good the match was. Well, well, Governor Avery almost didn't make the cut. He had a score of nine on this scale that goes up to a couple hundred. And so he didn't really match very well, but it was kind of a funny re- reason. In one database, he was WM for William, and WM does mass, doesn't usually match up with William unless you go to a lot of extra work. So we barely found that one. So anyway, we took these 75 and we went down one by one and said, well, can we connect this death record with the actual voter registration record. Is there proof that the guy is both dead and he was this voter? And so I studied all 75 of those, and I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it was around 12 or 14 statewide that we said, this still looks suspicious. And so uh, several of these then, Russ in the Kansas City area, he had an exclusive in, in Johnson County and Wyandotte County, so he did his own thing on, on those. I looked at some in the rest of the state. 
And in my story, I focus on a woman named Mildred Crouch from Wichita that she appeared to have voted in 2006. And what was really unusual about her case is she hadn't voted in eight years. So she voted in 1996, voted in 1998, and then out of the blue she voted in 2006. And it turns out she moved to um, from Wichita to Lincoln, Nebraska in the year 2000. So she obviously wasn't in Wichita. But if you look at the whole scenario, it still doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why she was on the list. It doesn't make any sense why they didn't take her off. There was this wrong record in 2006 that it turned out that she didn't vote. But why was she ever on the list for that whole time? That's still unclear. So the bottom line is all the ones that we matched up so far are clerical errors of some sort, that somebody scanned the wrong line when they did the voter history or something like that. But there's still this, and I, I like the word potential, because I label all these, they were potential registered voters, they were potential dead voters, and I think we have potential voter fraud even though that we haven't proven it. That, and, and this actually gets back to our inactive discussion a week ago, that we have 140,000 Kansans that are registered to vote that are labeled inactive voters. We don't know where they live. If you wanted to mail something to them, you couldn't mail it to them. And so if you do the math, if you take that 140, well, and I've done some statistics in past elections, about 1% of those people will show up in August, about 10% will show up in November. So 10% of 140,000, this is dangerous doing math on the radio here, would be about a, a 14,000 uh, voters that are inactive that will likely or possibly could show up here in, uh, on Tuesday. When you divide that out by house district, that means that maybe over 100 people per house district are voting and they probably don't even live in the right house district. So my thing on the inactive voters is the this is a federal law. We're, we're all these county clerks are complying with the federal law, but our local elections are at risk that people are voting in the wrong state uh, yeah. house district. Well, Laura, let's get into some of the uh, conclusions, too, what we need to do in 2011 to clean this up because, you know, a potential voter fraud and John Arnold, I want your suggestions as well. Something possibly the Democrats, Republicans can all come together on because this has been a major issue in the Biggs Kobach race. Chris Kobach keeps talking about potential voter fraud. Chris Biggs says, okay, prove it. Prove it. Uh, and I understand, you know, where both are coming from. But again, you know, if there's truly potential voter fraud out there, it's got to be addressed. It's like saying, Capital Federal's never had an embezzlement, so why have anybody in auditing look, look, the books? Yeah, yeah, Let's right. wait for an embezzlement to occur, then we'll audit. Right. Uh, it just defies logic that we're not addressing potential problems before a problem surfaces. That's why we have fire alarms. Well, Earl had three, three different articles up on watchdog.org mm -hmm. yes. on, on elections, and uh, I couldn't find the answer to the Mildred Crouch question, Earl, so I'd like to ask well, that, but... He points out that the county clerks say that um, they have to have official notification before they can take somebody off the list. That's a federal law. So yeah. everybody's complying with federal law. And all these people, these, these, these uh, government people are doing a fine job as best they can, but they're straddled with federal law. They may know somebody died, you know, informally, but unless they have proof, they can't take them off the list. Now, John Arnold, I would imagine, knowing you, and uh, we've become friends over the years, that Possibly you're not going, you don't have a Chris Kobach uh, yard sign in your yard. I don't have a what? <laughs> a Chris Kobach yard sign in your yard. So let's start with that premise. John Arnold, if you were addressing the issue of voter fraud as a legislator, where would you go with this, or would you? Is In your mind, in your opinion, do we well, need to address the issue of potential voter fraud? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Earl's article is pointing out that um, there are six counties that have more people voter 
registered mm-hmm. voters than they have population, including children and <laughs> everybody. And um, how do you fix that? I guess, mm-hmm. according to the federal law the Earl cites, um, the county clerk, the election officials, can't do anything until they get some kind of notification. I guess you could mail out to everybody, and, and maybe you could pass a state law that would allow county clerks to send a mailing, and if it's not returned, then they take them off the list. But, but, but John, but, but out of, in Smith County, I talked to the county clerk, and her name escapes me right now. She actually went to the county commission out in Smith County and got special money to do a mailing in 2008, and all she ended up doing was increasing her her um, numbers instead of decreasing them. Although they did, there's a lag that you have to you have to get these inactive numbers higher before you can get them lower. You have to get them labeled as inactive before you can take them off after they've missed some elections. So I, I, I've looked into it, and I won't claim that I know the answer to some of these things either. The, the, there are people working hard on it, and the numbers still aren't right. John, what would you do if you're serving on the Elections Committee, if you're chairing the Elections Committee on the Kansas House of Representatives? I'd, I'd first have to know a lot more about what the federal law allows you to do and doesn't allow you to do, because uh, if you can pass a state law that has no effect, that you haven't done anything. And, um, what about voter ID? We know we can do that. Well, voter ID probably doesn't get the people off the list. Well, what it does is there's a check and balance. That they're on the list, but then it, it, it's a moot because nobody could, could use that information. The claim I've made all along is, if, if since I know these lists very well, I know who the inactive voters are. I could pick people that, uh, in an urban area in particular, that are inactive and just go in and say, I'm that person. Well, it's just going to be by random luck that I'm going to know somebody in there in the voting place that said, no, you're not, and would challenge it. So with these lists of inactive voters, without a challenge of any kind, or even the potential challenge of any kind, it could be, this is where the word potential comes in, it could be used. And, and these are very hard to prove. There, there isn't like on a death record, a public record, that you were or were not alive on a particular date. These inactive things could be exploited if, they, if somebody wanted to. So really the, the problem is this, that um, Earl Glenn's the only guy in the state who knows all these people' names on the inactive list. So you could spend all day going around to different places and voting. Yeah, I could. <laughs> you to, you'd, early and often. I'd, I'd, want, I'd want immunity from prosecution just to show that it could be done. But <laughs> Can you get immunity from prosecution? From probably you? not. Probably yeah, not. So you can't, even show, you can't even go through the demonstration that this is a problem without getting in a lot of trouble. So. Isn't that interesting? So all I can do is talk about it. John, would you vote for a uh, voter ID bill? If so, uh, why? If not, why not? If I were in the legislature? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I, I don't mind it, but at the same time, it seems like overkill. You know, the, the story of uh, there was somebody who wrote a letter to the editor about the little old lady who didn't have a driver's license any longer. She has no no uh, photo ID, and she lives in some small town in western Kansas, and so it's not easy to go someplace and get the Kansas Department of Transportation ID photo. Um, so what do you do about those people? Um, I think the voter ID bills that... Uh have been before the Kansas legislature in the past, have said, you know, a photo ID would be good, but also just bringing in a copy of your water bill, uh, bringing in a copy of your utility bill would also suffice. That seems to me to be silly, uh, because anybody can get somebody else's water bill and carry it in and then vote, and so then uh, you haven't proved any identification by having a water bill. How would somebody get my water bill? Out of your mailbox. So then you're talking trash. about potentially a federal theft, Where stealing mail out of my mailbox. Oh, your trash. Do you keep your water bills forever? Yeah, I'm very emotionally <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> there you go. 
or what's to keep you with all these new software, you know, from just printing one up that looks like like one and just That's making it exactly say whatever you want it to say. Exactly. <coughs> you could go online and say, uh, I want a copy of my water bill or my electric <coughs> bill or any of those. Print the sucker out and go. Well, one of the th problems I see here is it's an urban rule problem, that we try to come up with one rule that works everywhere, and in some sense, the problem is going to be more of an urban area because you just don't know everybody. In some of these rural communities, you, you may not know their, who they are by name, but you know the last name, you know the family. But you can't have these two different sets of rules, so that, okay. that's one of the problems. Earl Glenn, you've taken a look at this issue. Now, let's get into the voter ID aspect of it. What would you do? What would be your perfect bill? You've taken a look at, uh, you know, the dead voters. You've taken a look at voter ID. You know there's uh, a difference between... Somebody living east of Highway 81, possibly living far west of Highway 81. What would be the well, bill that everybody would agree on that's truly going to address the potential problem of voter fraud? Well, How do we do that? Voter ID would work, but another alternative that I, I Brian Newby, who's the Johnson County Election uh, Commissioner, just uh, talked about a couple days ago, when these inactive people vote, what about if they, f they basically have to file a pro they vote on a provisional ballot? And at that point, a provisional ballot is almost like re-registering and voting at the same time. And then there's some check. So right now, the thing that bu bugs me about these inactive people voting is there's really no check that they're tied to the districts that they're voting from. And so I think Iowa does this, and I think Connecticut does that. They actually have an active list and an inactive list. If you're on the inactive list, you have to file an affidavit that says, I live here, and they check on it. So right now, we just don't have any check and balance in, at all in place. So we need some check and balance. What did you find out about Mildred Crouch? Was she living in Lincoln, or had she died? What happened? She died in 2000 or 2003. She voted according to the to the records in 2006. <laughs> so, and and it's always kind of suspicious because this was at a retirement center in, in Wichita. So they say, well, is there, are there shenanigans going on at retirement centers? Because those are always alleged. But uh, Bill those Gale. Often voting, voting places also. Yeah, correct. That's true too. And also. You also you ha you often have older people uh, volunteering at the polls, and so maybe they they aren't as attentive as maybe they need to be. And that could have been what happened here: that somebody marked something on Mildred's line, and it wasn't her signature. And I don't I, Bill right. Gale sent it to it. So that mark on that line, when they ended up scanning it for voter history, turned into a record that said she had voted. And that's kind of the similar story in all these cases. There's some marking in the book that turned into the voter history record that said that they voted. Well, there have been a lot of allegations in past, after past elections that the voters must have been brain dead to elect that particular person. <laughs> there you go. But <laughs> now, Mildred apparently was all the way. <laughs> well, she wasn't even in Kansas from 2000 on. So. Yeah. And <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Why was she on the list? Yeah. Because she, she moved out of Kansas in 2000. Now, Bill Gildan in Wichita said they took her off in 2006. Um because the records show that that she tried to make an advanced ballot and it didn't work and it got rejected. So they took her off the medical disability list, but when they did that, they didn't take her off the full voter registration list. So, okay, so that's 2006. It seems like, well, maybe maybe she's inactive now and she'll be taken off after this election anyway. So uh, it's not clear why she was on there for well over 10 years and, and it wasn't even in the state. Well, Earl Glenn, John Arnold, uh, explain this to me because... Chris Kobach, I've known Chris forever. I've told the story a thousand times on the air that uh, he actually won an essay contest when he was a graduating high school senior when I was uh, chairman of our Shawnee County Party, and he was our first recipient of um, a scholarship. 
So I've known Chris for a long time. I'm passionate about his election. I think he would be great as Secretary of State. But he is, he really uh, inspires passion in people one way or the other. And his issues are illegal immigration and voter fraud. These are the cornerstone issues that's driving his campaign. Why the passion when it comes to the anti-Kobach crowd? What is it about Chris Kobach that just raises the ire of a lot of people, uh, inspires passion on the other side? Earl, in your um, opinion, why? Why? Well, I'm supposed I've to be over Chris for a... Now, you're giving an objective reporter's opinion. Right. I'm, I'm trying to stay away from opinions. So I'm trying to... Huh. Um, I, I really am not ter- terribly sure. I, are there signs in, in Topeka about trying to link Chris Kobach to Phil Klein? Those are showing up in our in our area where they basically say... I don't think so. They say, remember Phil Klein, and then something about Kobach on them. So those signs are, are quite a few places in Johnson County. It's just kind of a left versus a right issue, and he he has that mark that says he's on the right, and, and the left doesn't like him. So uh, he seems, to, yeah, to have that mark where he's more so on the right. And I don't perceive Chris Kobach as being an extremist when we're saying we want to address potential voter fraud, and for whatever reason, this issue really just seems to draw the ire of a lot of people. Well, and and I think I think what happens is a lot of people are fearful of okay, if he gets that job, what will his next job be? And so if you stop them at a lower level, then you don't have to worry about them at a later time. So that could be one of the reasons the left is, is uh, uh, not doesn't like Chris at all. Could be, same thing could be said for Steve Six, because the Democrats don't have anybody else. Right. You know, I think that's the reason we're seeing such an infusion of money into the Six campaign. They've given up on their governor. Keeps their foothold in, 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 in one of the major offices in the state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John, your opinion. Yeah. What is it about Chris Kobach that just... Uh, Raises the ire of a lot of people uh, when we're talking about voter fraud. Well, I the, the Chris Biggs campaign sent out a flyer this week, um, signed by Amelia Mendez Graham, treasurer for the Chris Biggs for Secretary of State, and it's what do you know about Chris Kobach's connection to extreme hate groups, and it has him tied into FAIR, of course, which is the. Um, this is a group that opposes illegal immigration, a lobbying group out of Washington, D.C. We've had a representative affair on this show probably a half a dozen times over the past two or three years. Yeah. And, John, this is a group that, uh, you know, is really uh, taking a pretty hard-line position on illegal immigration. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Because I'm very familiar with A lot of this there. stuff, yeah, I, I, I knew them in California. I heard them speak several times, but... This is information that is gleaned from a lot of different places, but one citation, uh, several citations, is from the Southern Poverty Law Center, who takes a look at uh, racial kinds of things. <coughs> the um, one of the things it said here is that during his '04 congressional campaign, Kobach received $8,000 in contributions from the Gun, Gun Owners of America PAC. The executive director of that has been a featured speaker at a meeting of Aryan Nations leaders and former Ku Klux Klansmen. And then uh, the Southern Poverty Center says, Kobach's a far-right fundamentalist who's part of a still-growing fringe movement. Um, Kobach's been paid substantial fees by FAIR for legal work done on its behalf. And the Southern Poverty Law Center says FAIR has anti-Latino and anti-Catholic attitudes. That has mixed this bigotry with a fondness for eugenics, the idea of breeding better humans. 
And then they said that the Pioneer Fund has contributed to fare more than $1.2 million. Who's the, what's the Pioneer, Pioneer Fund? Fund? What? What's the Pioneer Fund? I'm well, they said the, fi- the Pioneer Fund was founded in 1937, and the original mandate was to pursue race betterment. Today, the organization still funds investigations into the science of breeding superior human beings. Mm. That citation was, again, from the Southern Poverty Law Center. So it's like along, along the lines of eugenics, though. Oh, uh, yeah, it must be. And um, well, then there's just two or three, two or three other little things, and and I think as Earl said that that he's fairly far right, and that scares people. Uh, but you know, and I, I think the other thing also is most people feel uh, uh, that this is just a stepping stone for him. He's, I mean, he's talking about things that really the Secretary of State doesn't deal with much. But uh, he'll and, and he won't, so he won't commit to being a full-time Secretary of State. No. And John, John Arnold, you yes. and Earl Glenn basically have said the same thing: that people fear the fact that we're electing somebody that actually might move on up. So should we start electing candidates to office where that is going to reach the, their full potential? <laughs> when oh, we elect them, or they can go no higher? Because both of you are saying kind of the same thing, and I've heard I've heard this as well. From voters that say are saying, you know, boy, if we elect Kobach to Secretary of State, 15 years down the road, he's not going to be Secretary of State. He's going to want to move on, <laughs> onward and upward. Well, this is a bad same, thing. We had the same issue with Brownback, of course, mm. uh, running for governor. He, you know, that he's going to take another shot at president in 012. 012. That's now, how do we know that, John? That's I mean, I, I've heard that a lot, but I don't know. I don't know that I know that. Well, uh, I guess we don't know that. So you're uh, saying, Earl, uh, Glenn, John Arnold, Lynn Jenkins. And Lynn's not necessarily my favorite elected official, but let's take a look at her record. Started off as a state representative, uh, then was elected to the state senate, then was elected to the state treasurer, and now she's a second district congresswoman. Now, there's reasons not to support Lynn Jenkins, but because she's moving up the food chain, uh, because a lot of voters perceive her as being qualified to move up that food chain, this is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it, it is reflective of the fact that in our electoral process, we do practice the Peter principle pretty, pretty commonly. <laughs> we finally reach our level of incompetence. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. sure. But and um, you know, and that's when they don't move on up. It's when they get to their level of incompetence, and uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons. But I the Democrat crowd basically is saying we recognize that uh, Chris Kobach is uh, his full. Um, Expectations aren't serving as Secretary of State because he's the competency level. He can do much more. Well, he's and articulate and, and he can deliver a message. So I think that's part of what, what, why they might fear him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's some televangelist um, aspects to Kobach's abilities, I think, um, and maybe that's good and maybe that's not good. But um, yeah, I, and I don't know that. Now, John, you also mentioned the evangelist extremist, I think, is on that list as well. Who would that be? Did it uh, expand on that? Oh, I know the mailing that you got. Oh, where'd it come from? No, I know who it came from, but uh, that was uh, one that you read off a few minutes ago, Uh right after Fair, that he had some evangelist extremist connections. Who would that be? Oh, let's see who said that. Oh, that was the Southern... Poverty Law Center say he, he Kobach is a far right 
fundamentalist who is part of a still growing fringe movement. Okay. So it says. Earl, do you have any information on. Well, the only thing I could add to that is when Chris ran for Congress, and I can't really know the years, at 96, I didn't, a, couple, a couple cycles ago. There were a, there was a lot of money spent in the last week or two on white. He had ties. The Chris had ties to white supremacists, and I don't really remember if this is the same thing that John's talking about now, or that was yet something else. Well, they cite the '04 congressional campaign. '04. I've lost track of time. Eighty-six hundred from the Gun Owners of America PAC, and that PAC executive director Larry Pratt has been a featured speaker at the Aryan Nations and former Ku Klux Klansman. I always feel nervous just because one guy in a group does something like that, uh, the whole group gets tainted when when Chris didn't, I mean if Chris would have would have introduced the guy and and said what this other guy was supposedly saying that's offensive, then that's one thing but just because there's somebody in a group you know, look at, look at Kansas it'd be like labeling everybody in Kansas because of what Fred Phelps is doing. So That's exactly right and I, I, I really deplore association kinds of things because as you say, he might know somebody in FAIR and I've heard FAIR talk uh, and they talk about immigration reform and needing to do something with it. And I think that's, I think that's fine. We need to. Well, yeah, in fact, uh, a few years ago, you know, back when we had the Iowa caucuses, when we were going through the 2008 selection process, FAIR hosted about 25 of us, uh, local talk show hosts from throughout the country. We went yeah. to Des Moines and spent two days. Basically, I was up there courtesy of FAIR. And Ferris certainly wasn't trying to put words in our mouth. They uh, invited all of the presidential candidates into the hotel where we were broadcasting out of. And it was interesting because 25 talk show hosts, and we were all on at varying times during the day. So we pretty much had our pick of the litter as far as what candidates uh, or the candidate spokespersons we wanted to have on the show. Never did Fair come up to us and say, hey, we really want you to kind of toe the line on this and uh, what have you. And I've had so many guests on representing FAIR over the years, and I've never perceived this uh, to be an extremist group by any stretch of the imagination. They're saying we need to address the illegal immigration problem. Yeah, and, uh, and that's, that's I'm, what I'm I thought surprised, also. I guess. But well, well, part of the problem is that these labelings, the labels and the names get in the way of an open, honest discussion of the issues, and so we, we never really have that open discussion that we can you know, get beyond that and mm-hmm. solve the problem. So. That's true, and any organization can have somebody who's an extremely strange person saying extremely strange things. And uh, I, I just hate the guilt by association because you you uh, can go to a fair conference as you did, Jim, and maybe be tainted that you're now a racially tainted individual because you went to a fair conference to talk about immigration reform. You can't run for office anymore, Jim. That's right. <laughs> You but, certainly uh, have that right, Harold. I won't disagree with that. <laughs> I was joking. No, I'm <laughs> I heard Fair speak in California one time. Must have been about twelve years ago. And they also they spoke about what they are, were about. But they brought also the, as I recall, the executive director of a major hospital in Los Angeles, who said that uh, we birthed one point three million babies last year, or something like that. Ninety nine percent were from illegal alien mothers who managed to get across and up the road because they wanted that baby born in California, in the U.S. And, you know, in the emergency room, a woman comes in, she's delivering a baby, they have to take her. And uh, he was talking about this as being a major, major problem for their funding and for their services and how they can provide uh, what they 
are there to do. Well, and under our current laws, uh, that's what we call an anchor baby. Anchor baby. Yeah, yeah, becomes an automatic citizen of the United States. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I hate to see us try to change the Constitution to, to do away with that birthright, but um, there sure is a lot of talk about that. We need to take a break. John Arnold, Earl Glenn. John, when we come back, let's talk about your top story of the week. And again, Election Day, it's coming up next Tuesday, folks. There's a couple of issues that I want to talk about, more localized, I suppose. Getting into uh, this county treasurer situation, I want to talk about that again. But, John, let's talk about uh, your top story of the week. We'll do that when we return. I'm Jim Cates. Stay tuned. Okay. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhouse, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line, located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique, eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. 
Here's Jim. Okay, folks, we're back. If you want to pick up a little money, well, the Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall, they'll take about anything you have of value, and they'll place it in their store on consignment. And while you're there, it's a fun place to shop as well. They've got three stories of antiques, collectibles, just about anything you possibly could be looking for. You might find it at the Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall. They're located at 5th and Harrison. They open at 11 o'clock each and every day. Check them out. Buy or sell either one. Something I promised I would mention, um, some friends of mine following a murder Earl Glenn, I'm sure you're not, might not be familiar with this. Uh, we had a murder on the grounds of Topeka West High School a few days ago. It was a drug deal gone bad. Three white kids uh, shoot a couple of black kids. One of the black kids dies. And all five of these individuals involved, this was a drug deal gone bad. bad. These kids ranged in age, I say kids, uh, from 17 to 20. And folks, uh, again, as a parent, make sure that if you've got kids that are teenagers, they're reading each and every article in the Capital Journal about this. Because this is a classic case. If you sleep with dogs, you wake up with fleas. As far as who your children are running with, folks, let this be a lesson. You take a look at these three white kids that are responsible for the murders of these two black kids. I don't know who was dealing drugs to who, other than drugs and money and women were all involved. But the point being, these were three white kids, two of which came out of West Topeka, uh, clean cut in appearance the whole nine yards. These three kids are going to go up for murder one. And their lives are fairly well ruined, I They're ruined. imagine, at this time. 17, 19, and 20. It shows what can happen if you're run, running with the wrong crowd. Folks, if you've got kids at home, uh, just make it mandatory that these kids follow this story from beginning to end. Hopefully it will impact somebody from running with that wrong crowd and just forever running their lives. Okay, Earl Glenn, John Arnold are with me. John, let's talk about your top story of the week. Uh, Jim, I think the top stories of the week are all around elections. Uh, you know, if you take away those top stories, then you go down to maybe the next top story is is that the lady killed a horse on a dark night down the road. You know? <laughs> Let's and talk I about elections. <laughs> the, news, the news headline writers missed an opportunity to put up their dark horse killed. You know? <laughs> I like that. Everybody well, that's was very good. clever. What, what dark horse? Which which candidate was killed? That's clever. <laughs> Very I clever, very a, clever. A dark horse on a, and a dark night on a highway, and she ran into it and killed it. <laughs> Too bad. But, you know, that's kind of like the next level of story. Uh, and you just did the one on on drugs, Jim, which is interesting, because we just finished talking about the fact that Kobach, we shouldn't condemn him for his associations. And yet here's this, an example of associations do matter uh, with these kids running around, you know, with the wrong crowd, as you said. Well, it depends on how close the association is, isn't it? If this is like in his inner circle, his campaign committee versus someone at a more of an arm's length, I think that makes yeah. quite a difference. And, the, and, and I think there's been a lot of, of criticism unfounded about President Obama also because of his associations with different people or rumored associations or whatever. Have you been watching Glenn Beck by any chance? I, <laughs> I, I, I do it once or twice a, a month and I was, just, I was just thinking, that seems like something that Glenn Beck might have said. Yeah, I think about 25 times, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, the Week magazine quoted him as saying, uh, oh, I think 125 times something about Hitler-esque or something. Oh, they like actually that. counted the, the number of references? Yeah, somebody did, yeah. 
that's that's more patience than I've got. It's 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 right up there with you, Earl. Well, you, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like numbers. So. <laughs> well, I just find this whole Glenn Beck story fascinating because Glenn Beck again. I can't remember a talk show host ever to where the far left or the left of center crowd. I won't say far left has really gone after a right-of-center talk show host in terms of uh, boycotting Well, sponsors. advertisers, right. Yeah, the heat on advertisers pulling their ads from a talk show. Oh, yeah. Glenn Beck must be doing something that really has instilled fear, I mean legitimate fear, into the left-of-center crowd, where Limbaugh apparently hasn't. Yeah. Well, the Media Matters people seem to write about him just about every day. Oh, yeah. Part, part of the problem, I think, is that uh, Fox News is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and he gave a million dollars to the Republican Party, and then Fox News turned around and gave a million dollars to the Republican Party. And people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, do we really want our news media outlets to be that closely associated with one particular party? So, so what about... you really be called a news outlet at that point. So, so George Soros giving to the NPR, what, what do we do with that one then, John? He doesn't, he doesn't own newspapers or uh, run TV networks. Okay. He's a, he's a money man, and uh, we never have said money men can't spend their money how they do. And That's true. As we know this year, what's the um, what's the the rule, Earl? The uh, Supreme Court said if we can corporate entities can spend all the money they want, however they want. Yeah, and I and some of that you don't get, find so much in the re- reports anymore. So I really miss that. So yeah. Well, John, what election is most important to you? Let's key in on one or two elections. You said the elections, that's the story of the week, and it is. You know, we're four days down from what is going to be, well, possibly a turning point in America. Who knows? Yeah, Tuesday's going to be a big day. I think we would all agree to that. Yeah, really. And you have half dozen elections that are kind of important. The Nevada one that you follow closely um, is very interesting, and that's tight. The Alaska one is interesting for uh, Murkowski, a write-in against uh, Joe Miller, that's Sarah Palin's boy. Have you, have you seen recent numbers on that one? Pretty pretty close, actually. Half uh, a percentage point, I think. I just wow. matched up uh, real clear politics on the Miller-Murkowski, and there's a Democrat also ran in that race, and it is just uh, tight as tight can be. Yep. It's interesting because Nebraska has one of the toughest laws on write-in candidates, that if you're writing a candidate's name in in Alaska, has name, match. it has to match. If you're one letter off... If you put Murkowski rather than Murkowski, well, I'd have to look that one up. Just uh, that one's tossed out legitimately in Alaska. That that uh, ballot doesn't count. So she could win with the variations of spellings, but not according to the statute, perhaps. Yeah. Now, yeah, what yeah. the Nebraska Supreme Court I Alaska. think has decreed that uh, if a voter wants something uh, to show the correct spelling of Murkowski that uh, the polling places in Alaska have to have that information readily available. I got you. So, really? Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting situation because Alaska, in Kansas, it's more of the intent of the voter. In Alaska, it's got to be picture perfect, letter for letter perfect. So. Well, that'll be interesting. And then you've got the Pennsylvania situation and the Connecticut senatorial and um, What Pennsylvania Florida. situation? I'm sorry? That's over in Pennsylvania, isn't it? What Pennsylvania situation? <laughs> well, what is it? Sestak versus Toomey? Yeah. That's an eight-point lead now, I think, for Toomey. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Right. Toomey wins in Pennsylvania. Uh, That's the, a lock. 
the news was showing last night that the big push was Bill Clinton was out there campaigning for Sestrak, I believe. Yes, Bill Clinton's uh, campaigning for his wife in 2012, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. That could be. Yeah, because Hillary's nowhere to be found right now. So. Isn't that true? She's in New Zealand somewhere. One of the interesting things out of the polling is that the <clears throat> most favorable um, rating for politicians is, goes to Bill Clinton. And that's just amazing. I mean, he's been called the comeback kid so many times, it's incredible. Well, he's always a likable guy. You'd always want to go have a beer with the guy. Yeah, yeah. That, they say that, yeah. As opposed to a Newt Gingrich, who'd rather not, you'd rather not walk on the same side of the street with. Yeah, he'd, he'd want to give you a lecture. <laughs> about some and grade you on how you will you Exactly. Live. <laughs> it would be a great message. Earl Glenn, the one race that, uh, looking at our election night, from the national perspective, the race that you're really going to key in on early would be basically that could determine what the trend's going to be nationally. What I have races looked, is it that Earl Glenn? I haven't looked that much nationally. I mean, uh, the uh, what's the one in, in Missouri that you've talked about before? The uh, Ike Skelton race. I, yeah, I think that Hartzler. could be. Yeah, and it's real curious. We, we see the ads in the Kansas City area for that one, and um, the Democrat has been pushing mostly military-related issues against the Republicans. So that's a little bit of a twist that you wouldn't expect. So I, I, that, that's going to be kind of a key race. I, I really haven't seen the numbers on that, but I, I think that could that could be telling. Well, Ike Skelton for years, that's been his key issue, uh, national defense. In fact, he chaired that committee. is chairing it now, I believe, for the Democrats. But so it's a close race, and, and um, I mean, if that one switches from a D to an R, that, that might be telling, you know, national. Yeah. So it could be kind of a bellwether thing there. Well, John Arnold, you mentioned Connecticut, and this is a race we might want to watch as far as national trends. Right now, uh, the Republican candidate for the Senate is down 10 points, but they say this is still a race somewhat volatile because you've got Blumenthal. Um, Versus Linda McMahon, yeah. Yeah, and Blumenthal has really made some gaffes. Has not followed that race at all. Well, he's the one that claimed to have been a Vietnam vet. And oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, and he couldn't he did, find Vietnam he... on a map. So... So this is going to be somewhat of an interesting race, and the debate they've had, one it of is, the key but, debates, uh, uh, he didn't come the across as the sharpest knife in the drawer. Some of the interesting, interesting polling data shows <coughs> that many of the women running, like Linda McMahon or Mae Quitman in California or Carly Fiorina, are not polling well with women, which is kind of interesting. And aren't they falling back even farther in recent days? Yes, yes. So that's uh, kind of curious. It, it, it is, and I don't quite know why, but... Uh, and I haven't heard anybody say or posit any ideas on why, but that's kind of interesting. And, of course, the California races, I think, are big, Jim, in terms of uh, how they're going to turn. Um, and it, the polling looks very much like uh, Jerry Brown for governor and um, Boxer for senator. That's just amazing. Jerry Brown is oh, going to win, and he's, he's going to win big. Because he's been around forever, I mean. Well, yeah. What was his nickname, Moonbeam, when he was yeah, governor, governor Moonbeam. Uh, that I don't remember. But Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody who was a... Somebody coined him that. I think it might have been Rush. Yeah, could have been. Um, but whoever... Or maybe it was... Maybe it was Jay Leno, because whoever it was said he wished he hadn't have done that. Uh, governor Moonbeam. But anyway, somebody did. Yeah, Jerry Brown was always... It appeared eight miles high, you know, going back to <laughs> some of the 50s oh, yeah. song lyrics. uh and then he yeah. went on and became he wasn't uh, attorney Western. general. He was mayor of Oakland and did a lot of good in Oakland. Um, wasn't he a consumer advocate as the AG? Yes. yes that was, that's was. the thing I remember about him anyway. Yes, he was. Pretty good. 
And then you've got the race with um, O'Donnell. Oh, in New Jersey. Uh, where? Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. Delaware, yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty but much. But that one's right. widening out, isn't it, right now? I, mean, I think so. She, yeah. she seems to be falling back. Yeah. Um, and the, the Sharon Angle and Harry Reid issue in Nevada is a big one to watch. I'll yeah, I think that's the. But we, can't, we can't do that one early, Jim. That, that's going to be a late night one. Yeah. Right now, Angle's the latest poll shows uh, she's up four points. So really? it now right. it looks like, uh, you know, that it could be over. So Angle could be a winner. And you have Brady Murray, in the senator in Washington State. And that one's not over yet. Uh, Rizzo no. and Murray. That's real close, yeah. Dead heat. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> her opponent is Rossi, and he's run for governor twice, and Congress, and now senator. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the Peter principal out there all over again. He'll <laughs> find himself at some point. You, you got a point there, John. <laughs> let's bring it back to a uh, statewide situation. And let's yeah. get into something that's on the ballot as well, and this is the retention of Supreme Court justices. Maybe it's the people I run with, my friends, but when asked, virtually everybody I know says, well, I voted no on all the judges and retention. Historically, in Kansas, these judges are retained 70-30. Uh, yeah, yeah, but just blindly. <laughs> so, I, my friends are in that thirty percent crowd. It, it appears. But all this retention is, is Earl Glenn, John Arnold. Now you're coming from uh, possibly different perspectives. Both of you comfortable with this current method of retention? Are we okay with this? Should we elect our Supreme Court justices? I, I think it's one of those cases of the lesser of two evils. Uh, when you elect judges and you get people throwing money at them and you get campaigns for judges, and then they they have to take positions on issues before they come up before them. And your lawyers will throw all kinds of money at the, the guys and girls that are running it. I just don't think the election process for a judge is a good one. The appointing process is perhaps flawed, but it's, in my mind, better than the election process. Kind of like the treasurer, should it be elected or appointed? And uh, while I would prefer to be appointed to be a professional, financial kind of person, I appreciate, Jim, your position that you hate to turn that over to the county commission. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to vote to continue to elect our county treasurer. Yeah. Earl Glenn, your position on Supreme Court. Uh, should we continue to appoint? Should we take a look at the election? I've done a lot of investigation, especially of the nominating committee <coughs> and how that works. And... I, we, we need some more, more some tr transparency, or we need like Senate hearings of of the candidates, or, so, or just something. It's just there's a lot of political money. We, we say it's nonpartisan and not political, but there's lots of political money going on behind the scenes. So uh, I the retention, well, not on the retention, just on the select. Not, not, I'm just oh, talking more about the nominating commission, commission okay. and how they get. They well, get now, John, in. there is on the retention as well, and I know you made a good point that if we've got judges whoring for votes out there, it could possibly in, uh, impact a judicial decision. I understand that. Okay. But on the retention, John Arnold, we're seeing the same thing. You know, reading the Capitol Journal twice over the past 10 days, there's been full-page ads. Right. You know, paid for, vote to retain these four justices. And endorsed and, uh, by former Governor Bill Graves. Who, uh, by the way, appointed Lawton us, so that's the reason for <laughs> Graves. <coughs> I'm sure the reason Graves got drug into this, huh? What you say again, Jim? Well, Graves, uh, former Governor Graves, appointed Lawton Nuss. So that might be the reason Graves got, got drug into this. Kassebaum, I don't understand why Kassebaum <coughs> would endorse the retention of Carol Byer. 
I mean, Kassenbaum was somewhat of a left of center Republican. Well, wasn't it the group of judges? It was the, it was the whole group of judges, wasn't it? Just not just, not just not Carol Byer? Yeah, they're supporting the, the slate, yeah. 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 Um, and who was the third endorser? <coughs> Governor Parkinson. Okay, yeah, okay. Which made sense. Governor Parkinson's representing his party, his party this week. But he is representing his party, so. Which is his party? Well, uh, he's Democrat this week. Well, this week. Will we say that after he's out of office, though? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'll give Governor Parkinson some credit, and again, we gave him uh, some credit earlier for attempting to get a handle on this Beechcraft situation. Yeah. Which is a true embarrassment. I think, I think Parkinson's been a terrific governor. He's uh, done a good job on fiscal things. Yeah. And, uh, and pretty good at negotiating the Holcomb deal and working, working quite a number of things out. Uh, he's, uh, it's too bad we couldn't keep him. Well, Dave Jackson's on deck. Uh, John Arnold, we'll see you next Friday. Yeah. Um, John, do you have a prediction on a possible upset? If so, what, it w- what would it be? Wow. Is there one coming Tuesday? Boy. Uh, Something coming down the tracks that were... I suppose the... Uh, the I, I tell you what, I, I kind of think is going to happen. The possible upset is that the Tea Party folks are uh, maybe not universally, but largely going to lose. I just ha- have this faith in our Democratic electorate that the people will sit there and say, these people are just too extreme. And uh, and I don't I, I won't tell you which ones I would be wrong about, but because um, I don't know, but um, I suspect that the good sense of the American people will out. John, this is going to surprise you, but you and I are going to respectfully disagree on that statement. <laughs> Earl Glenn. Well, well, I'm just looking for close races where the inactive voters can go investigate those next week. So that, that's that, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. He's also got a real good article on there about the ethics investigation on Lou Perkins. Yeah, that was kind of curious. Yeah. yeah. What's coming up this weekend on KansasWatchdog.org? I'm exhausted from my, my story, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe knocking on some doors at the two different parties, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, and see if anybody is talking to me about stolen signs. Uh, <laughs> I, I know there's some stolen signs from one particular Democratic candidate. I don't know whether he'll talk to me or not, but if they'll do it, I'll put a little YouTube up, and they, they can air their grievances <laughs> there. So that, I may do that later today or tomorrow. Check it out on KansasWatchdog.org. We'll see you in three weeks. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Very John good. Arnold, uh, we'll see you next week. Very good. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Earl. Thanks, Bond John. Up. Dave Jackson, Lawn and Garden Tips coming up. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School. Educating children for life.
Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. What coming up, by the way, Monday morning we've got uh, Tim Richer is going to be back with us. We're going to be talking about local issues and our county commission. We're going to be talking about them because time is running out for them to say, hey, we're giving up the ghost. We don't want to spend $150,000 on a petition drive. They better be acting pretty quick. So we'll get into all of those issues at 8 o'clock Monday morning, and then Bob Beatty, Professor Bob Beatty, is coming on at 9, and we're really getting it into the heavy political lifting, being 24 hours out from a major election day in this country, and that's all coming up Monday on the show. And for the next uh, hour, we have Dave Jackson. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. <clears throat> How are we doing? Doing well. Do you see, uh, getting into politics, since we're really into the political season now, we're into the heavy lifting. Do you see any upsets coming? Anything that possibly is going to surface as a surprise? I don't know how much is will uh, in the what is it the is the district over in Kansas City and Overland Park uh, state representative will the Moore lady win or is that oh the Congress congressional race congressional yeah yeah uh, Yoder right now we should have asked Earl Glenn when we hit him on that's uh, Earl's district I think Yoder still has a comfortable lead is that right and, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, then, then, then that's the one I was worried about. Then I think Becky Neosi is going to knock over NTC. I'll tell you, she's run a great campaign. Best I've seen in that district for years. Yes, by Radio Ed's good. We've had Becky on the show. She's and, got uh, good support from the Kansas Republican House Committee uh, as well. I mean, that uh, tells me something, uh, that she's a viable candidate and she's worked hard on her own. That's who they'll support. They'll put the money in a race that they think can, can make happen. And uh, I think Becky uh, might uh, pull this out. Yeah, yeah, folks, if you're looking for a legislative upset, I, I agree. If there's going to be one, mm -hmm. that's going to be it. But because she's run a picture-perfect campaign. Seems like to me. <coughs> Annie Teets, uh, a very likable individual. So And so is Becky Neosi. You know, personality-wise... Oh, yeah. uh, both of them, when they're knocking on doors, are going to create a favorable impression. So this one truly vote, uh, will boil down to voting records. Probably maybe. so. On the state level, I, you know, it looks to me, I'm still looking at a Republican sweep, and I don't sweep. I don't see that that's any kind of an upset anywhere, because all those other the Democrats were all house are appointed by the governor. She's no longer here, and. Uh, it could happen. I think another race to watch, I think, in Shawnee County, coming back to Shawnee County, is our county commission race, Shelly Beeler. I think Shelly's going to win. Oh, but yeah. I think this is going to be a lot closer than really? anybody thought it was. Really? Yeah. Uh, Carol Marple, nobody knows 
Miss right. Marple. I've never met the woman. Right. Uh, she's never contacted us about coming on the show. Her primary opponent did uh-huh. and was on. <clears throat> Miss Marple uh, is truly a political outsider. Do you know her? Nope. Ever heard of her? Not that I know of, anyway. Have, I have you ever heard the name before she announced as a candidate? Uh, well... Not I really. I mean, except that there's a Marple Road out there somewhere, and I don't know if that's a long-time family out that direction or what. Yeah. But, I mean, this is an unknown. Shelly Beeler, I think everybody six months down the road said this is going to be a walk in the park for Shelly Beeler. She's running against a complete unknown. Mm-hmm. But now you've had this petition drive issue surface. This is a biggie. It is a biggie. I mean, people are absolutely incensed at what our county commission's done. On this two million dollars, and I th- the people in the city are now. That's folks in the county aren't all that incensed. I wasn't. Yeah, I think what the county did. I'm being a county resident. I'll take the two million dollars and run, but I still think it was unfair for the county to do this. The city well, was blindsided. I think it was done for all the wrong reasons. It certainly, uh, but it I don't know. Did, didn't look like it. But I mean, the, you know, the city could do so many things to save two million dollars if they just would. I mean, oh, I would the, agree, but the, the county... The, the dad gum, uh, put, put the recreation under the county and let's move on. That's $2 million right there. But the county commission made no attempt to reduce spending. Oh, I, made no attempt well, to hold the line on yeah, spending. Well, they, they did. They did, they did they by did, keeping did. the $2 million for the city. No, but they, they also reviewed... They, they made attempts, Jim. I don't know if you weren't following or not, but they did make attempts through that. I talked to them and... and well, Shelley Bueller made the attempts without a second coming from Ensley or Bueller. Because that day that they voted to keep this $3 million, Tim Rencher reported that Shelley Beeler had a pretty long list of cuts, of cuts to make. Mm-hmm. Never got a second on either one of them. Well, as soon as Shelley Beeler caved in on the $2 million, they approved it unanimously, voted to adjourn, without ever coming back to Shelley Beeler's cuts. Right. That's and wrong. I, I, well, That's that, wrong. that was wrong. But, but there were, in, in the budget hearings, there were attempts to make some cuts. They just didn't make them deep enough. They haven't done zero-based budgeting. They haven't done any of the stuff that a county commission should be doing. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's true. And I, But I can't see the fallout going to Shelley because she fought it all the way until she finally acquiesced at the end. They beat her down. And she's uh, come out. Yeah, and she, but she came out in support of the, basically of, of the, the thought of doing the uh, uh, the petition. She came out mostly in favor of the petition. So anyway. That's your phone. That's my phone. But the other phone is ringing. You hear the ring? Yeah, that's coming from the offline phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Okay. All kinds of activity in here. (laughs) None of it we can do anything about. Well, this is going to be fun to watch. You know, elections, they're always fun to watch. And there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to be unpredictable. But you and I are on the same page uh, this Becky Neosi has done everything right. But it's been 30-plus years since that district has been represented by a Republican. And it, you're right. It's, it's, a tough, oh. it's a tough district. I walked it, yeah. uh, most of it, because that was in the 50th Senate, a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked it, and it's a, you know, it's a... Registration, somewhat leaning Republican, but it's a left-of-center Republican... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's a working uh, people that tend towards unions and, and uh, that kind of stuff, and public service. <laughs> uh, so they're uh, left leaning. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, 
Nice yards, nice lawns over there. Yes, a lot indeed. of them. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Possibly because they listen to this show or they're customers of Jackson's Greenhouse. Well, we, would, we would hope so. We would hope so. We, uh, <coughs> we're certainly close enough. By the way, by the way, speaking of Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, there was no ad that I could find in Wednesday's paper. Yeah, I tore that paper apart. Really? Twice. Did they, they, oh, yeah. We had a full, full half-page ad in there again. Had the tips, all of that stuff. Yep, yep, yep. In the Wednesday's girl, paper. Mm-hmm, the girls got it out. It's, it's hanging there in the, in the I didn't bring it with me because it's hanging in the store. Why is it I couldn't that? find it? I don't know. Is what it, page was it on? I don't even know. Because normally you know, your ad just leaps out. I mean, it's a well-designed <laughs> ad basically to capture your attention. Well, we try. We just we try to make it helpful and, and seasonal in terms of what people can expect. But uh, I'm assured it was there. You know, I just got back from uh, Texas last night. Remember, I wasn't going to uh-huh. be here, but we, we made it back early. And here I am uh, today. Not a... Remember, I told you last yeah. week you wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, we uh, uh-huh. had a nice time down in Lake Conroe, uh, where, by the way, uh, it's either in Oklahoma, Texas or Oklahoma. You know, you're listening to the ads. I'm, they elect their, they elect their chief, their uh, Supreme Court uh, in Texas for sure. I don't, you know, and again, I've said this so many times, and I've been saying it now for the 14 years I've been on the air. I really still, to this day, don't know where I stand on that issue. Well, it's hard to decide. I mean, uh, we, whether we we've are got to elect or appoint. Well, yeah. we have it both ways at the district court level in, in Kansas, and uh, mm-hmm. Ed, Senator Ed Pugh is a big proponent of elections, and uh, I can't see that there's any big difference in the dispensary of justice under either method. Uh, if if you can eschew eschew not a great word. I like that. The uh, uh, door-to-door walking and the campaigning, I'm, I'm certain that a judge would prefer to do it that way uh, and, and or the, the whole election process. I mean, it just takes... You, the money is, is, is coming in, like Earl Glenn said. Those people had to do something to get on that selection committee because there's plenty of good judges that don't ever get selected for that position. Uh, Judge David Bruns, for example, and where Marla Lukert did, Bruns was far superior in terms of his uh, his decisions, in my humble opinion, than Marla Lukert. Mm-hmm. Where did she come from? Why did she get that? She was not that great a judge, mm-hmm. uh, but and but she sat on the same district court bench that uh, Bruns did, and a couple of the other guys that did. So I did, I you know, there's some somebody putting money behind something to get those people appointed just yeah. is and it's not visible and that's the part that's not right to me yeah. Uh, yeah. but i don't know maybe well, it's I'm like these ads that are running in the capitol journal you know right. they formed some committee you know these uh unnamed third parties that come in and run these type of ads vote to retain these four justices and right. these are full page ads in the capitol journal to retain by us and the other two biles right. and uh lukert and i'm sure I mean, so there's be, money spent whether we elect or whether we appoint. Those would be coming from uh, trial lawyers. That money, no doubt, is coming from trial lawyers. Uh, the guy that runs all the money on the ads on the workers' comp uh, attorney, the guy that runs uh, the ads on the uh, disability herder, all of those guys, uh, 
Teniper Herder, our good K-State friend, uh, Dan. Dan Likens. I know the money's coming from those guys. And Palmer and and those, those big-name attorneys here in town. Yeah. It's a tough one because, again, you know, I think we're probably going to look once again. This is maybe a centrist, slightly right-of-center state. Now, again, I don't know Lucret that well. I don't know anything about Biles. He's been there, hadn't been there long enough, really, to be fair to Biles. We know he's an activist Democrat. That's all we know about him. But the other two, Nuss and especially Byer, we know what their record has been on the Supreme Court. Far to the left of where the average rank-and-file Kansan is. Far to the left. And they're going to be retained in all probability, maybe 65-35. Normally it's a 70-30. Uh, vote to retain as opposed not to, but we could be looking at maybe 65-35 since this is the year to throw the incumbents out. That's not right because they're not representative of mainstream Kansas by any stretch of the imagination. So is the election process better? I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. those are the people that uh, jumped in and, and uh, dictated to the legislature what funding for education should be. I mean, that's just wrong. Yeah. Those yeah. were all those all of them voted for that. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. They overstepped the bounds of the Kansas Constitution. As far as I'm concerned, they broke their oath when they made that uh, decision. I would agree, you know, because Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, they were all three states were taking a look at basically the same issue. Oklahoma and Nebraska said, we're not going to get into the funding issue because that's the responsibility of our elected officials. And it, right. And it's and Kansas. <laughs> yeah. It's right in the Constitution. Yeah. You know, I could see the Supreme Court getting involved in a formula for funding education, making sure that a kid from Russell County is not being penalized in favor of a kid from Douglas County. If there's state funding involved. If there's state funding involved, that makes sense. But getting involved on the dollar amount, clearly, clearly out of their purview. Right. Clearly. Mm-hmm. So, couldn't agree with you more. Time for a break. It is. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. And if you uh, are tuned in, basically wanting to hear some information on lawn and garden care, well, we might get around to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. Stay tuned. More to come. I'm Jim Gates. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? 
Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhouse, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Foss line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we are back. Uh, Dave is up getting a cup of coffee. Monday morning, we've got Tim Richard returning Monday. He's going to be back with us at 8 o'clock, and then Bob Beatty will be joining us at 9. And, well, let's start this segment out on a sad note. You're not going to be tailgating tomorrow at the K-State game? Yes, I'll be tailgating, just not in my slot 899. So Terrence and Terrence uh, won't be there. So where are you going to be? We'll be in Cat Town. I do the uh, uh, a big uh, steak and egg deal. We'll have breakfast at... Uh, for the uh, Lutheran fraternity that I've oh, okay. been the president, this is your and uh, weekend to do that. We'll put on about 30 stakes, and uh, we have a tent set up over there in Cat Town, and just enjoy seeing a bunch of old friends. And that's that's where we'll be instead. Okay, so uh, the next game you'll be back to your regular spot. Next and last game that'd be November 6th. That is the last home game. Boy, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. North Texas, that's on the road. That's on the road. I've got tickets. Missouri's on the road. Oh, you're going down. I guess. No, that's Denison. Denison, yeah. yeah. You drive right by it on I-35 East when yeah. you're going down. There's when two you exits. see the 35 West and 35 East right between the two, the confluence, that is the stadium for North Texas. Can't miss it. Hardly to know you. Yeah, yeah. You have to really to not miss. be paying attention to this thing. <laughs> so anyway, that's where I get. we're planning on going down with some friends and... Uh, uh, watch that game. Well, that's an easy drive. Hopefully, that's not the game that. Oh yeah, it's easy. I drove by it. I drove past it yesterday on the way back from Houston. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not the game that we're looking for to become bowl eligible. Well, hopefully, Colorado at least will put at us least. over the top. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, I didn't get to it. You're saying that the Cap Journal uh, reporters are all saying O State. Oklahoma State. O- Oklahoma State victory. And they uh, did this after the knowledge that they've lost their uh, their one good, really good receiver. Yeah, it was back, I think, to the K State defense. Well, K State defense has been pretty horrible, and I uh, any any quarterback that's that has a uh, more than one talent 
causes them problems. If a if a quarterback is fast and can run and can throw. Taylor Martinez proved that with Nebraska. Right. right. Does this kid have a future? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But and Carson Kaufman has done a credible job he for has. K-State. He really yeah. has. And the yeah. line's stepped up. The O-line has been much better, giving him more time this year. He has a time for a couple of looks now rather than <clears throat> having to check off the first guy and then run for his life like it's been last year, like, or like it was last year. So anyway, I yeah. That's I just wonder when Kaufman went home, you know, after the game last Saturday to see his parents, if he helped with the overseeding of the lawn. <laughs> that was the last weekend. That yeah, was it. That was right? it. That's true. Right. And our weather's proven us out, kind of. So, so any, any grass seed folks you have left, hang on to it. Let's do dormant seeding if it didn't come up. And <clears> you can still see some bare spots in February or March, then put it down. We did get another pallet of seed in for those of you that... Uh, uh, want to overseed uh, and Goodyear wanted 13 bags of seed last week so we got in another pallet of fresh seed so we're there with it but I suspect that that's the seed that the last seed that we'll buy until next spring and again whether you buy seed today whether you buy it in December whether you buy it in February it's all the same and it's all going to be equally as good when you get into winter seeding right Okay. No difference. Now let's run through, if we could, uh, on dormant seeding again, if we could run through this. The best time to seed dormantly, do you want to have that seed down in anticipation of a heavy snow coming? Should you wait for the snow to fall and then go out with your dormant seeding? The utopian time to I've dormant seed. I have heard both ways from all my customers and uh, even from K-State. There's no... No real recommendation in terms of whether you put it out ahead of the snow cover or, or on top of the snow. Personally, I think make putting it out ahead of the snow uh, is better because the snow is going to cover it up. You don't have birds pecking it off the top of the snow. That's my opinion, I guess, and, and I, but I don't know how valid that is even, how many birds you're going to have that are going to come out and, and uh, treat your grass seed as bird feed. Which we do sell, by the way. I'm getting in some bulk bags of bird feed uh, this week, and or Monday. So we'll have uh, bulk bird feed uh, for those that uh, need it or want it. But there's no wrong answer as far as dormant seeding, whether you do it before the snow, after the snow. It doesn't whether seem you to be. December, February, make any difference? I'm not aware of any definitive study that's been done by K-State or any uh, Midwest uh, uh, land-grant university. That says it doesn't really make any difference on the month either. Well, right. Once it's dormant, and you know it's dormant, that depends on where you're at. You can certainly start dormant seeding a lot earlier in Minnesota than you can in Oklahoma. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Oklahoma, you'd better better be waiting until almost the 1st of January before you do dormant seeding now. Having said that, <coughs> Oklahoma's is about as far south as you can even hope to expect to grow a fescue lawn or a bluegrass or rye. Once you get down there, then you're into the warm season grasses, such as fescue, Bermuda, uh, and what's the other? Centipede is down there. So anyway, different different places. But we're in Topeka. The bulk of the seed is is fescue, and the dormant seeding can begin any time, as far as I'm concerned, around the first of November, and uh, with with good results. Now, normally, if people Lee saw it down and again, Dave Jackson, you're one of the uh, the only garden center, I believe, in Shawnee County. 
in this area that actually has sod on a regular reoccurring basis. When it's so, available, we have it, right. Yeah, if you're looking for sod, you need to go to Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, the original location, 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road. Why do we see all sod, virtually all sods, fescue? Now, again, you have... In this area, in this area. Okay, but getting into... Um, what am I trying to promote? Zoysia. Zoysia. Why don't we have zoysia sod? And I know you have small strips of zoysia sod, but as far as having the traditional, what are those, three by eights? The three, uh, Eight, 18 three. inch by six feet is what the roll. traditional roll is, yeah. right. Why don't we see that in zoysia? What well, makes it so much more expensive? Does it make good sod if you were actually going out to... Buy zoysia sod? It is. If you can afford it, it makes great sod if you can afford it. Why the difference in price? Does it take it that much longer to get established as a sod? Yes, it does. It really does. There's That's two the There's two methods to to grow zoysia sod. One, the way that Myers uh, Turf does it in in uh, Stanley, Kansas, is they, they cut the sod and then just let the roots regrow. So uh, And that takes two years, at least two years, for them to grow another field of sod, a full two years for it to grow, so uh, into the next field, where fescue is a one-season deal. You, uh, the folks planting the fescue, planted their fescue fields uh, this fall, will be able to harvest that uh, starting uh, late summer, or late spring next year. So, I mean, it's a quick quick crop, quick quick turn. And then, of course, the, uh, the uh, fescue, the Zoysia doesn't roll up. It's got those rhizomes. It's it's a coarser grass and it doesn't roll up, so it has to be in big flat. It has to be in flat pieces. And of course, so you can't use a machine. You can't machine roll them like they do. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult. Okay. So anyway, that's the part of the deal. Um, we have to, uh, th and that's the reason. Mostly cost and what's going on with it. It's the way that the sod is harvested and can be uh, applied, the difference in cost. Now, bluegrass and, and other sods are, are prevalent in Kansas City area mm -hmm. instead of fescue, mm -hmm. although fescue is making big inroads there as well. So anyway, it's a, where you're at, what, what sods prevalent. Yeah, I know in my hometown of Liberty, Missouri, bluegrass was the grass of choice. Mm -hmm. Liberty's in a little, you know, uh, in a little different climate belt, a little cooler in a Liberty. Cooler, a little more is. moisture. A little more moisture than it is we have here in Topeka. Nice area. Yeah, but it was kind of a bluegrass town. Mm -hmm. You had fescue there, but it was more inclined uh, for bluegrass. Sure. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that explains why fescue sod is so expensive. Two-year turnaround. You mean zoysia. I'm sorry, zoysia. Right. A two-year turnaround, that makes all the sense in the world. Right. Okay. But you do carry zoysia uh, sod as well. I bought some from you. Yeah. And basically, you ought to use this basically to kind of fill a few holes. God forbid, don't attempt to sod your yard in zoysia unless you've got a lot of money. <laughs> well, that or uh, or you've got the patience to uh, put the strips out and let it grow together, keep the weeds out and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. That's, uh, I know Hayden uh, at one point have toyed with the idea and took bids for putting down a two-inch strip every foot down their football field to see mm -hmm. if they could establish some kind of a field that would hold up out there at uh, in their field at Hayden because that's always been a problematic uh, 
field, even since I was a freshman in high school, that, to grow grass on. Why not Bermuda? Isn't Bermuda actually tougher than zoysia? Zoysia is a tough grass. Mm -hmm. But Bermuda is even more uh, labor-free. Zoysia is more labor-intensive than Bermuda, isn't it? Oh, probably. And uh, Bermuda for a, a sports field would be great. Again, uh, to establish a Bermuda lawn from seed is going to take two years. So if you, that's part of the problem. Uh, and, of course, getting the sod up here is going to be expensive because it's you have to, I think the northernmost Bermuda sod farm is in Wichita, uh, which is 130 miles, and, and of course... Uh, now, is that a two-year turnaround, too, for somebody that's got a Bermuda sod farm? Does it take two years for the uh, yeah. Bermuda to come back? Right. To where you can cut another crop? Right. That's my, my understanding, anyway. So, Bermuda is going to be just about as expensive as zoysia, then? I would expect it is. Now, the Bermuda seed is way cheaper. Zoysia seed is, oh my gosh, expensive. Yeah. Oh, it's expensive. Yeah. We're talking $20, $30 a pound. Really? Yeah. 20 to $30 a pound for zoysia seed. The seed goes further, but it's still very expensive to plant. Good. Bermuda seed uh, uh, is, is around 5 6 $7 a pound. And so, in terms of seeding it, it's uh, no more expensive than fescue because it takes less of it. Mm -hmm. uh, however, having said that, of course, it takes two years for it to really come up and be a good-looking lawn. And you have to do it at the right time in April or late April, early May to get it to germinate and get enough root down for it to survive our winter. It's yeah. a tricky thing to plant that's from seed in this area. Huh. We're okay. in what they, that's one of the other reasons they call this the transition zone. We're, yeah. uh, we're in the transition zone, almost too hot for fescue, uh, certainly too hot for rye and bluegrass in many years, and uh, not quite warm enough for the warm season grasses. So there, Just there an education have. on grass seed, folks. Uh, <laughs> Jim.KateZepCJOnline.com. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. A lot to talk about today, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, 
and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foyden House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we are back with Dave Jackson Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Well, it was interesting on the sod, you know, how all that works, because we had never really had that conversation. Well, it is uh, it is interesting to me the way that the sod farmers have, uh, the way they've made a crop out of something that you wouldn't have thought would be a, as a as a crop, but it's a it's a niche it's a niche market. I keep thinking about where does the soil come from to grow a crop a year. Because not only are you taking up the fescue grass and the roots, you're taking up a lot of dirt with that. There has to come a point in time you're down to red clay, isn't there? How does that work? Well, of course, here in the two things they don't uh, they don't back to back it; they crop it. Uh, in other words, if you've got 160 acres uh, of ground, then you should have no more than um, a third of that in sod, so that you run a couple of crops, and the residue from the crops is worked into the soil so that you continue to have some organic matter in the soil. Having said that, though, you still have a, a, a gradual uh, use of the base of your soil. Now, in Caw Valley, if you grew up here, you would know that we have about 20 feet of topsoil in the Caw Valley. We have ah. one of the reasons it's considered to be one of the richest uh, areas in, Kans- in, in the, actually in the United States. Wow. So okay. That explains, yeah. Part. That explains it. Yeah, well, you don't get down to clay, <laughs> at least in <laughs> the Caw Valley. take a year or two to do that. Okay. Millions of years of flooding uh, has deposited all of that um, soil. Well, that, would ex- that explains it. Okay. Folks, if you've got a question or a comment, as always, um, you can email us at jim.kates at cjonline.com. Now, not going to be selling much seed this weekend. I don't uh, foresee selling a lot of seed. I do certainly foresee a lot of trees and shrubs going out because we have uh, opened up our sale to not only the trees being a third off, our shrubs are a third off now, all of our shrubs. Our perennials are uh, also uh, off. They're 25% off. 
And I'll give you a little heads up. Next week they'll go half price. Uh, um, before we put them away, we'll give everybody a one last shot at half price perennials and uh, so forth. We'll, uh, and our statuary and pots, if you have to repot something, um, those went 25% off now uh, without having to have a coupon there. Uh, and our statuary, we're getting in another shipment of statuary. Uh, here very soon, and so we're trying to move out some of the statuary. But we are, uh, the month of November is when we do have huge clearance sales to, to uh, reduce our quantity of material that we have to put away. And so uh, be watching the ads um, because we uh, like to uh, give everybody an opportunity to buy it at the lowest possible cost and avoid having to carry it over winter, basically, because... Uh, there's a certain amount of care involved in, in having to winter that stock, and we just soon avoid it if possible, and let you uh, you take home the savings, basically. So there you have it. Okay, so a third off, uh, trees, shrubs, perennials this weekend. Going to go down to 50% off, you said? On perennials and uh, on quantity buys of trees uh, and that kind of stuff, we'll have a half price deal. A week well. and a half or so, and statuary 25% off. Mm -hmm. So, and that may even go to a third off later. I'm giving I'm giving people of the Jim Cates show an exclusive tip here. I don't know how f many folks we've got looking at that, but uh, just tell them you heard it on Jim Cates and come see me, and I'll give you that deal. Okay. All right. Now that's uh, good at both locations. Uh, yeah, to the extent that uh, they have the the material out there. Okay. That's 61st and Fairlawn, folks, and uh, 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road. Right. Both locations. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of trees are going to be moving out this weekend. Any tree that really hasn't sold as well this year that you thought would? Well, there's always uh, a surprise out there. You know, unexpectedly uh, good, and sometimes there's items that you buy that just don't sell as well as you thought they would. Anything? That <coughs> well, the. Uh, the pear trees we've been advertising, the flowering pears uh, we've been advertising uh, because um, we got in a big group and I thought that they would move a little bit better than they did. So, yeah, and this is a great time to plant a good flowering pear. Uh, we have those already on sale. They've been on sale. Buy one, get one free. And so we have a pretty good selection of pears, uh, flowering pear in the larger sizes and even in the five-gallon sizes that uh, or buy one get one free that would be the one that hasn't sold as much this year as I, as I would have expected so I've got probably 120 pear trees okay Be beautiful tree yeah absolutely beautiful trees. and and not not uh, the, not the old Bradfords that, that break down in in uh, or blow over in the youth and as they get older these are aristocrat which is an improved uh, tree an improved Bradford mm -hmm. we also have what's called the new Bradford and we have uh, a lot of uh, what's called Cleveland select which is a a uh, pyramidal rather than a big round tree it's a bit narrower uh, just a gorgeous tree Cleveland select is also known as Chanticleer as a pear tree uh, they're the same then there's others uh, a narrow form capital pear was a columnar in other words, it's only going to be eight feet, nine feet, ten feet wide, and, and practically a columnar type pear tree if, if 
if you're needing Yeah, the symmetry of these trees is just amazes me. I mean, they just look picture perfect. Mostly they do. You're right. Yeah, the upside, you know, there's a short window of time to where they blossom and bloom and what have you. Mm -hmm. Any of these pear trees, do the blooms and blossoms last longer than other varieties? They don't last long enough for me because Sherwood especially is loaded with these trees. It's gorgeous. And in what, April, late April, early May is when they bloom? Actually, the... The trouble is they bloom late March, early April, and frequently the, the uh, blooms get frosted off. Now, uh, you, what you want is one that... Uh, Something uh, longer lasting. Right. they're just that, absolutely gorgeous. And that, uh, right, but the, you don't have that because they all come into bloom at once. Uh, well, I should... They don't all come into bloom at once. You can, you can get later or earlier blooming varieties. Uh, the Bradfords tend to be earlier. Now, weather dependent, of course, if it's earlier and it's cool, that bloom is going to last a lot longer than if the weather warms up and we get a south wind. Then that's going to uh, pop that bloom a lot quicker and expand it, and then the flowers go away a lot quicker. But the other upside then is if we have a good fall, then you have that gorgeous maroon red color in the late fall. After all the other trees have pretty much dropped their leaves, you've got the pears that are still hanging on with, with good color. Unless we get a, uh, we don't, we have a fall without a frost, and then we get a freeze. The trees go from green to brown, but many years that that's the that's the dual uh, advantage. Actually, it's a triple advantage for flowering pears. Spring color, a great symmetrical and glossy foliage, and then a fall color. They bring three things to the plate in terms of a tree. Really, a great tree, as long as you don't get the old original Bradfords. Uh, which make a great tree for 15 or 20 years, and then, then all of a sudden you lose either half the tree or it all falls down one of the two. Well, life, lifespan is... Can, and a lot of the trees in Sherwood are going to be... They're going to be mature trees. Yeah, they're getting that way. Yeah. And uh, presumably they uh, you had Bradfords out there at that time, and you're going to start to see when you get some winds or, or ice, you're going to st start to see a lot of trees fall out of them. Portions, big portions fall out of the tree. Now, they do grow back. Uh, it's just that you'll have a funny-looking tree for three to five years. Yeah. Some people lose patience and cut them off and say, "I don't want to mess with that." But anyway, that's the that's the Achilles tendon of Bradford. Thankfully, we've got all the new varieties that are much better. Which one of these uh, pear trees actually produces fruit? Your Bradford pears don't produce fruit. Well, they produce, Bradfords don't. Now, you get the little uh, uh, thumb-sized fruits. Well, they're not even thumbnail-sized. Uh, middle finger-sized fruits are going to be mostly on aristocrats. Uh-huh. And uh, birds eat them, so they don't really make a mess that bad. Uh, and and your even smaller fruit are, are going to be on your Chanticleers. But... Uh, now what about fruit. a Bartlett pear? Bart what? Yeah, the Bartlett pears, you're eating fruit. And, we, of course, we have all kinds of pears. Uh, that, uh, but Bartlett's the one that's semi-self-pollinating, and you can, you can grow that as a regular pear tree. Now, do uh, they have the same blooms, the same shape a Bartlett pear does as a Bradford? Well, the Bartlett's going to be more pyramidal. But, yeah, it's a big tree and going to be loaded with fruit most years. Sturdy? Sturdier than a Bradford? Seems or to be. Bradford, Bradford pear? Mm -hmm. Seems to be. It's a good fruit tree. 
Okay. It's a good fruit tree. There's no reason not to have one. And you still got some at, uh, you've got a lot of them at Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. This is the weekend, folks. You can save a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So. Fruit trees, I think we're still at 25% off on those because we did just get a fresh shipment in. Fruit trees have been uh, really great sellers. You said what doesn't sell as well. Yeah. The last two years, fruit trees have just taken off as, as trees of choice for people. More people yeah. doing a, a small backyard orchard than ever before. Makes sense. And with an economic downturn, that makes all the sense Seems in the world to, to me. right? Yeah. Hey, let's take a break. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Foss line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. 
Okay, we are back. Uh, coming up Monday, don't forget, Bob Eddy is going to be joining us at 9 o'clock. Uh, Monday, we're going to be taking a preview look at everything that's going to happen the day after Election Day, Dave Jackson. How about more. that? And Tim Richards is going to be with us at uh, 8 o'clock. Friday, and maybe Derek about. sometime, mm-hmm. whatever time that would be. And Derek uh, could be uh, Derek Smith, candidate for uh, Attorney General, could be joining us around 8.45 Monday morning. He called uh, this morning. And we had a guest lined up by phone, so he was unable to get in, needless to say. Mm-hmm. So we'll attempt to get that uh, all ironed out and get him on the show Monday morning at 8.45. So good work out. That's going to be going to be a close race. Think you think? Uh, yes. And the reason I do is that if you take a look at uh, the Democrats up and down the line, yeah, uh, they're not going to win the governorship. No. Uh, Democrats aren't putting any money in that race. Steve Six has got to be their star of the future, so to speak. There's nobody else on the ticket that's got to be their star of the future. So really not. Democrat. You're yeah. right. If they're going to contribute money to a statewide candidate where they want to keep the Democratic Party viable, where's that money going to go? Well, it's going to go into the Six campaign. As I understand it, Six raised over eight hundred thousand dollars, which is roughly double what uh, Derek raised. Yeah, because Derek. Uh, very well qualified to serve as Attorney General, needless to say. Great candidate. Oh, he is. But Derek is competing with uh, Brownbeck, Kobach, Moran. I mean, just go up and down the list. Estes, you know, for those campaign contributions, Six has no competition. Right. He's going to get all the money. Right. Because there's nobody else to give it to if you're that dedicated Democrat. So um, I can see that race really, really being a tight race. And six does have an effective TV commercial. Pretty good. It is, is good. It is good. He's not a bad guy altogether. I mean, don't know him much. Uh, I don't know him much that well either. Boy, we got phones ringing everywhere, well, Jim. You. That's yours what's over what's there. I don't know whether that's a is that an outside line or something. No, that's coming in on the uh, yeah on the non-air line. Well, I'll tell you, our phones have been going off. Your cell phone, my cell phone. All of that. Uh, non-air number, they've all been all been hopping. But if they want so, to call 295-1150, we will answer that one. We can do that. We let the sure, other ones go. why not? I guess that's your number, isn't it? That's it. We've uh-huh. had a challenge or two, but I think we've pretty much got all that worked out. So all right. Sure, our phone lines are open. Absolutely. So we've talked about trees. Uh, great time to buy a tree. Great try- time to plant a tree. Absolutely. And planting a tree, you can do that between now and... When so. the ground freezes. Okay, a hard freeze. Because yeah. we had uh-huh. freeze last night, didn't Yeah, you? but the ground didn't frozen. My guys will be out planting trees. For the big trees that we move, you know, with a two-inch caliper and up where we have to dig them and get them out of the ground and move them, with this frost last night, now we're going to be able to start moving trees and planting the big trees next week. So it's a great time to come in, and, and if you're going to do a big tree, when we're giving you a third off on those big caliper trees, if instant shade or instant color, those kind of uh, shade trees or the big uh, crab apples, pears, what have you, next week would be a great time to come in, select one, because we'll be able to plant it for you. Or uh, uh, it's a good time to plant it even uh, if you're going to do it on your own. Some folks do. Why do people plant crab apples? Crab apple trees? Yeah. Oh, the new the new varieties of crab apples just have gorgeous blooms. They follow. You still have that big apple though that no. you have to deal with every year. No, 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 no crab apple. The new crab apples. The uh, crab apple itself is 
a quarter of an inch, maybe three-eighths of an inch, makes great bird food. Really? Yeah. And uh, they've got a lot of them. The prairie fire, for example, has a, a pretty foliage. It's a, you know, a, a kind of a, a bronzish red kind of foliage in the spring. Got a great uh, uh, fall, <coughs> spring color mm-hmm. in terms of a, a bright pinkish red bloom. Mm-hmm. Great. And, uh, of course, the prairie fire crab is uh, resistant to cedar apple rust, so you don't have the, the disease going on in the summer and all the leaves falling off. Just a really nice tree and some good fall color as well. Nice trees. They've improved crab apple a lot. What you remember from your old grandmother's place or your folks' place or something is the doggo crab where they actually grew that crab apple. And I still have people asking for it so that they can make crab apple jelly. And that crab apple is going to be roughly that big. A little uh, bigger, yeah. yeah. Oh, now, those aren't crab apples. <laughs> that's, that's a Granny Smith. That's a Granny Smith. Crab apples don't didn't get don't get three to four inches. Crab apples are all going to be uh, uh, one to two inches if for the big ones. But okay, you're thinking you're thinking of a summer about the size of an apple. Yeah, you're thinking of the summer uh, apples that are uh, used for cooking. Uh, Granny Smith being the the one that many people uh, still grow or do grow. It's a newer variety of of that, but that's. Uh, those aren't weren't truly crab apples. They were cooking apples. Okay, so when you're looking for a crab apple tree, mm-hmm. if you're coming to Jackson's, right? Specify what type of crab apple tree you're looking for. Because well, again, you you're, you could be looking at ones with the big crab apples, small to non-existent crab apples. I won't show you a, a crab apple that has big apples on it unless you specifically ask for it. I mean. Okay. The uh, spring snow is a crab apple. It's uh, pure white in the spring and is sterile. It has no apple, no, not any fruit on it. Coral burst has a few apples on it. It's a smaller version of a crab apple. If space is really limited, this is a tree that's going to stay really small. Again, has a beautiful coral bloom in the spring. Disease resistant. Just a great tree. Just a great little tree. Uh, we use those a lot now uh, in parking lots in the city where they have to do the islands. You know, we have this mm-hmm. city this city formula now that has to be observed when you're putting in parking lots. There has to be, in, within that parking lot, there has to be so many islands that have trees in them to make uh, Topeka a beautiful city. And coral burst crab apple is the... So that's the, what you're, that's the tree of choice now. Uh, in, in for, for parking lot uh, installations, for sure. So it the is, tree's going to grow to a height of... Oh, 12, 15 feet maybe. Okay, that's and, it. And yeah. uh, uh, six to eight feet across. It's going to stay small. It's not going to you know, be intrusive. And if it's the city's not, recommending it, probably not a labor-intensive tree. No, right. No, well, it's the uh, standards were developed by a group of, of uh, people in the industry some years ago, and that was a tree that uh, has come out and been indicated now as one that's acceptable uh, for points, you have to have so many points, and that's a tree that uh, works very well. So huh. anyway, so there's there's a lot a lot of new things in crab apples that's been done. Uh, there's just there's so many new trees, Jim, and stuff. Are people my you know getting into the aging baby boomers? Because again, you know, being the layperson I am, when I think of a crab apple, I just don't think of the trees you mentioned. You have is to bring a, it out, you're right. Is this a tree that basically sells to a younger demographic than me? Uh, well, because it's, it's, of my 
limited knowledge of what I think a crab apple is, which obviously it's changed. You do have to you do have to overcome that trepidation of fruit. So and a younger person, somebody 35 years old, probably is not even remotely familiar with the type of crab apple tree I'm thinking of. Right. Probably not. Uh, you're right. I mean, because nobody, hardly anybody, I did have a request for doggo crab apple here not long ago. Hardly anybody uh, uh, does crab apple jelly anymore. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. grandma did that. Mm-hmm. My grandmother did that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, she had a persimmon tree, too, and we did have persimmon preserves. Yeah. Pretty good stuff, really, but sort of a messy tree. Oh, persimmons are just, <laughs> oh, oh, my mother-in-law had one. Uh, oh, yes, messy <laughs> would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. We are just about out of time. Close to it. We're there uh, again, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center this weekend. Let's run through real quick. We got specials tre- of the weekend. Trees a third off. We've uh, we've got to shrubs a third off now. We've got the uh, buy one get one free on uh, Bradford pears or any any ornamental pear actually, and we got twenty five percent off on fruit trees. We've got twenty five percent off on pots and statuary. We have uh, the we still have the seed sale going on the eighty nine dollars for the the, the tri power and the fertilizer, but. Uh, we're not recommending that you apply seed at this point now because of the of the weather and the chances it could freeze out. So we'll have everything going on there. Both places are still open. We're going to keep uh, the uh, white barn open another week because uh, the weather looks good. So uh, get out there. Get the same special if you're out there. Uh, meet uh, Cindy and uh, Lynn Holquist out there. Over they're the going to be open for another week, then they'll shut down for the winter? I think so. Uh, we don't have heat in that barn. Uh, there isn't probably enough heat in the whole world to keep that barn warm, but uh, uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, uh, we'll only, uh, we're, we're probably going to shut it down a week from Monday. Okay. That's the current plan. Okay. Dave, my friend, we will see you next Friday. Look forward to it. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, 10 o'clock next Friday, folks. And again, Monday morning, Tim Richards back with us. Um, Monday morning at 8 o'clock, Bob Beatty at 9, and possibly Derek Smith, Senator Derek Smith, AG candidate in between. So, stay tuned for that. Well, don't stay tuned. Uh, Go out and enjoy this weather, and we'll see you Monday morning. Have a great weekend. I'm Jim Gates.